Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Warning the following contains adult language and is intended for mature audiences only, except James. Here is an email that I received this week. From James, the WWE guy. I don't share these very often because I don't normally like to make fun of someone with rabies who clearly never got their shots. But I thought I would make an exception in this case. He says, and I quote, Hey, asshole, I just want to let you know, N.O., that your content fucking sucks. You purposely try to shit on the WWE to gain views and listeners, you steaming hot pice of shit. Nobody gives a fuck about AEW, so why are you praising a company that hasn't even truly started up yet? I guess you just another Dave Meltzer and suck the elite dick any chance you get, right? Go to hell, you bitch-ass, lame-ass, hoe-ass, dirty-ass, bum, funky-ass, musty-ass, dusty-ass, dick-in-the-booty-ass fuckboy. Wow. Eight asses in one sentence. That's a lot of ass. Musty ass, though. I gotta say, that's what got me. Is he saying my ass is damp? (laughs) What an odd insult. I've never been called a musty ass fuckboy before. What What a closing line, though. It's almost Shakespearean. If Shakespeare had an ass fetish and a drinking problem. So since James the WWE guy loves asses so much, hey James, kiss my ass. It's business time, baby. The Solo Monster sounds off. My client! Mama Monster! Conquered the street! We like fighting a woman? Your title belt is made of leather. You're not a real vegan. Come over here and fight me! Delete! You haven't been beat up properly! Welcome to episode 583 of the Booty Ass Fuckboy Sounds Off for Royal Rumble Sunday, January 27th, 2019. I am the bitch-ass, lame-ass, hoe-ass, musty-ass Solomonster. Try fitting that on a business card. This week's podcast is once again sponsored by WrestleRumble.com and their Royal Rumble Pick'em Contest. I'm sure WrestleRumble is so excited to have to follow that. Earn points by correctly picking the winners of the two Royal Rumble matches and all of the other matches on tonight's pay-per-view. The grand prize this year is $1,000 cold hard cash. I play every month. It's a lot of fun. They're good people. Uh, You can answer questions like who's going to win the Men's Royal Rumble, who's entering number one in the Women's Royal Rumble, is Finn Balor going to walk out with the Universal Championship? Uh, So those are the kind of questions you can expect to answer. And again, second and third place winners even will also get a prize. Uh, Second and third place winners will each net $100. Fourth and fifth place winners will get $50 each. It's only $10 to sign up for a single entry. You still have time, still have a few hours left to sign up before the pay-per-view tonight. 
Uh, do not waste any more time. Go to WrestleRumble.com and get in on the contest. Thank you to uh, everybody who continues to support this podcast in uh, a variety of different ways. Audible, of course, being one of those ways. And uh, out of that, you can get yourself a free audiobook. All you got to do is plug in the URL audibletrial.com slash Solomonster. Sign up for the 30-day trial. And as you guys know, if you cancel before the 30 days are up, you don't like it or you don't know that you're going to use it very often, uh, you get to keep your free audiobook. So think hard about what book you want to listen to and use our link to sign up. And uh, for those who have asked, the Lyft code, for those of you who want to sign up for a new Lyft account and get uh, 5 or 10% off your first ride, just use the code SOLOMONSTER. Uh, it works, I, I believe the code works anywhere in the world, although I don't get anything out of it if it's out of uh, out of the U.S. Uh, but the code should work for anybody who wants to sign up for a new Lyft account and uh, get a few bucks off their first ride. And uh, also, don't forget, there's about 24 hours left. There's a flash sale for Royal Rumble weekend going on on Pro Wrestling Tees. We have our store on there, prowrestlingtees.com slash off. It's the full name of the show. Uh, over 30 different shirts, uh, different designs for you to choose from. And you can get 15% off all Sound Off shirts through 1 p.m. Eastern on Monday. So the sale is going to end tomorrow afternoon. Get in on that. And use the coupon code RUMBLE at checkout. Uh, thank you to all of our PayPal VIPs. You can make a donation. $10 or more will get you a wrestling nickname and a shout-out here on the show. Just go to thesolomonster.com and you'll see the uh, PayPal button waving at you there on the right-hand side of the page. Thank you to the Portland pop star Paul Hamilton, Deadpool James Herrera, Beast Mode Brock Joseph, John Luce Cannon Lopez, uh, the Florida Freebird Brian Becerra, Jerome You're Going Down Eugenio, Mass Grave Micah Harshaw, Stephen Handyman Hallistick, the Malaysian Mastermind Samuel T, Out of Control Cody Thomas, who would like to give a shout out to his, uh, his bride Charisma. Today is their two year wedding anniversary. Congrats to the happy couple. Cody has been a uh, longtime listener, so I'm happy for you both. Also, the Velvet Revolver, Robert Murray. The Warlock, Sean Rue. The Chicago Slayer, Willie Eichard. Brian the Cleaver Carpenter, Max the Axe Volato. Ian Lights Out Loomis, the Anarchist, Andrew Heller. Alan Killer Kaplan, Mean Matt Forbush. Tim, Attack Before the Bell, DeWolf. The Diamond Dallas Dance Machine, Harrison Soep. Define Real, thank you. And uh, Teddy Muscles, Ted Weber. I was going to come up with one of my own names for him. I don't know if it would have been, uh, I can't say that it would have been good or not, but uh, that Teddy Muscles name just sounded uh, ridiculous enough to stick with that. That is from your buddy Frank. I'd love to know the story behind that name, by the way. Uh, I also want to wish Ted an early happy birthday. He'll be turning 25 on Super Bowl Sunday next week. Uh, also, John Ferrigno, Freddy716. And the Marksman Podcast, thank you for the kind words about the show in iTunes. John especially, that was very nice of you to uh, to write that up. Shout out to Sky. Sky's a longtime listener of the Sound Off. He just lost his grandmother this weekend. That sucks. Uh, he says that she always hated Stone Cold during the Attitude Era because he swore too much. And she would say, that man has a filthy mouth. It's a good thing she never got any emails from James, the WWE guy. But I'm very sorry to hear that. 
Uh, it's been almost 20 years since I lost my grandmother. I was very close with her. So I know how much that sucks. And uh, you can always reach out to me if you need to. You know that. Shout out to Luca Galdi. He's been a listener of the show for almost nine years. Nine years. Even as he has moved around to different places, London, Rome, he's always listened to the podcast. And now he and his friend Francesco, who's also a Sound Off listener, they have started their own wrestling podcast in Italian. For any of you Italian listeners out there, it's called Wrestling It. That's Wrestling IT. And uh, you can give it a listen on Spreaker or on YouTube. Easiest way to find them, because if you type in Wrestling It, you're probably going to get a lot of other things. Uh, easiest way to find them, go to their Twitter. Their handle is IT underscore uh, wrestling. So IT underscore wrestling is their handle on Twitter. If you uh, check their tweets, you can click onto the link to their shows from there. And uh, best of luck to the both of you. And uh, also thank you for sticking with me for so long. Our Royal Rumble Facebook pool. The day has finally come. Today, of course, is Royal Rumble Sunday. You have you still have a few hours up until the pay-per-view, I believe, to join. Uh, I would not wait until the very last minute, or there is a chance you will not get a number. But Zach, I believe, is still uh, doling out numbers and expanding the pools if people are signing up late. Last I checked, we have over 2,500 people signed up. 78 going on 79 pools. It might be up to 80 by now. If we don't hit 80 pools, we're going to come pretty damn close. We didn't just beat the previous record. We annihilated it. And uh, like I said, you can still get in on uh, on the action. The post is still pinned at the top of the Facebook group. Uh, although the numbers that he's given out is in a separate post. That post is linked in the original one. So just go to the original post. You'll find everything there that you need. All you got to do is like it. Like the post. Hit the like button. And uh, if you want to post something so Zach sees it, Zach Holker is his name, make sure you get his attention, then go for it. Uh, I, of course, am number 25. I drew number 25 this year, so I will be rooting in both the men's and the women's Rumble matches tonight for whoever enters at number 25 to go all the way. And uh, the way this is going to work is that all 79 or 80 pool winners, because there's 30 people per pool, then it spills over into a new one, All, let's say, 80 pool winners will then move on to the ultimate Royal Rumble pool, which is uh, tomorrow, and uh, I'll be doing that randomly, and selecting a first, second, and third place winner, and each person will be getting a t-shirt and a shout-out on the show. Uh, First place actually might be getting multiple shirts, Uh, I'll I'll have to check with Zach about that, and, and Julian, but... We're not doing more than that. Some people were wondering, why. how come people haven't been able to throw in other prizes and we've done that in the past? Uh, Unfortunately, there were a couple of people who ruined that in the past and I'm not dealing with that again. They say one bad apple spoils the bunch. Well, that's what happened here. So uh, it has to be this way. If I do happen to win, obviously I will pull a Jeff Sessions and I will recuse myself from the final pool. I do not intend to send myself a shirt or give myself a shout-out, so you don't have to worry about that. But good luck to everybody who has uh, joined the pool. And uh, like I said, thank you. 2,500 plus. I mean, that's unbelievable. Jake Hager, the former Jack Swagger, had a successful MMA debut last night at the Bellator show with a win over journeyman fighter. Uh, a journeyman fighter. I actually don't even know the guy's name. I jotted it down, and uh, I must have accidentally deleted it. The guy is so important. 
But he's a journeyman fighter. He came into the fight. He had a one and one uh, professional record. He was one in three as an amateur. Uh, but he had fighting experience, which is more than uh, Swagger could say. So you could say, yeah, the guy was a bum, the guy was a scrub, they you know, threw him some easy meat. Yeah, they did to a degree, but again, you're in there with a guy who has fought professionally, and you haven't. Anything can happen. And what happened is, Hager submitted him in two minutes with a head and arm choke. Uh, WWE gave permission for R-Truth to sing him to the cage going to be number 30 in the Royal Rumble match tonight, maybe. <laughs> I'm very skeptical that he actually will end up being number 30. But uh, there's our truth Last night, he's uh, he's rapping Jack Swagger to the cage for his very first MMA fight. And in all of the interviews and the promos, and even on his way to the cage for the fight last night, he was just on and on. We the people. He's just still using that catchphrase. We the people. No Zeb last night in his little scooter, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, We the People was still in full force last night, and after the fight was over, they interviewed him. You know, they do the uh, obligatory post-fight, in-ring, in-cage promo, and this is what he said about, he was asked about Vince McMahon. What do you think Vince McMahon, your old boss, is thinking? And he says, sometimes to convince Vince, you have to convince. And there was an uncomfortable silence that followed that line. I'm still not quite sure what he was trying to say there. Uh, <laughs> you could see one of those old tumbleweeds blow by from the Wild West. He's got to work on those MMA promos. But off to a good start. Big win for him. And uh, he says he's in it for the long haul. And look, anytime a wrestler, somebody who's coming from the wrestling world, ventures off into something else like MMA... There haven't been very many who have done it, but some have, right? Brock, Brock Lesnar, Batista. Um, did Batista do a fight? I, I thought Batista did do an MMA fight once. Maybe I'm just imagining that. Uh, Bobby Lashley obviously had some success. Uh, I always want to see the wrestler go on to have success because that's, you know, look, whether they like it or not, whether they want to or not, CM Punk's another one who unfortunately things didn't quite work out for him. But they're representing wrestling, right? So you want to see them do well, so... He seems happy, a lot happier than he was in WWE. I wish him well. I have, uh, been, speaking of enjoying things, I've been enjoying the Superstars episodes on the WWE Network that they uploaded last week from 1992. Uh, they did go up last Monday, as I said, they were going to all 34 episodes. And I'm watching these, and it just it brings me back. You know, Saturdays at noon on Fox 5 here in New York, ordering in pizza back when I could still eat pizza. Interestingly, the reason I bring this up, though, there's a reason for this. WWE sent an email blast out earlier in the week about the Superstars drop, just to let everybody know, hey, these new episodes have just been posted. And in the promotional material for Superstars, they said, the, you know, in the copy, it said, Witness WWE Hall of Famers, The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, and more. Interesting, in that Michaels and Flair we know are Hall of Famers. They are in the WWE Hall of Fame. Undertaker is a future Hall of Famer, but he is not yet in the Hall of Fame. Now, could it have been some marketing intern who didn't know any better? Sure. It could have been. Or, it could be a spoiler for this year's headline inductee. We normally know by now who the lead inductee is going to be for the WWE Hall of Fame. They have yet to announce anything. We have no names officially announced yet for the WWE Hall of Fame. Now, they could be waiting until after the Rumble tonight 
to make the big announcement and then, you know, whoever it is, uh, they'll likely leak it to some media outlet first. So even before Monday Night Raw goes on the air tomorrow night, we'll probably know uh, who the name is if they're going to announce it tomorrow. I'm just spitballing here. I don't know anything. Uh, but this is the time that would make sense for them to make some kind of an announcement. Uh, Undertaker's name has been floated, but Undertaker's name is floated every year. You know, The Rock's name is floated every year. Batista's name is floated every year. I would like to see Undertaker go in, if only because my hope is that it takes him right into retirement. Especially after what we saw in Australia, what we saw in Saudi Arabia last year. You know, it never gets old. Anybody who's been to a show, anybody who's been to WrestleMania before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It never gets old seeing an Undertaker entrance live. And even on television, it's it's very cool. But in person, it's it's just a cool experience to be there. You hear the music and the gong and, and you know, the flickering lights and the lightning and the smoke. It's just a really cool part of the show. The problem is... Once the bell rings, that's a whole different story. And for a guy who many years ago, and he made a comment even in the last year or two about this, but I'll go back even further to 2002 in that interview he did with Michael Landsberg before WrestleMania 18. We're going into WrestleMania 35. And on the eve of WrestleMania 18, Undertaker is giving an interview talking about I don't want to be one of those old guys who hangs on for too long. I don't want to overstay my welcome. I don't want to do this longer than I should be doing it. He doesn't want to be one of the old guys who doesn't know when to quit. That doesn't seem to bother him as much these days, I guess. And I saw the the note in the Observer this week that said, as of right now, Undertaker is not currently scheduled for a match at WrestleMania. Now that could change. But if that's true then that's even more of a reason, I think, for him to go into the Hall of Fame this year. And I don't think he... I've heard people you know, say, well, do you think he should be the sole inductee? Whenever he goes in, should he be the only person inducted that year? And you have different people come up and give different speeches, because there's a lot of different people who can speak to their experiences about working with and knowing The Undertaker, right? Triple H, uh, Shawn Michaels, Kane, Vince McMahon himself. I think it would be, you know, in a way it would be appropriate for all of them to have a speaking role, but I don't think he needs to be the only inductee going in. I think you can have a a small class, maybe, instead of having six or eight people, maybe you only limit it to three or four, Um, but no, I don't think he needs to go in as the only, you know, inductee whenever he goes in. I don't, I don't think that's, you know, that's necessary, but I've, I've also noticed a lot lately, and I'm sure you guys have too, we've been hearing from him a lot more out of character haven't we? It just kind of feels that way. That could be a sign too. That could be a sign that maybe he really is nearing the end and he's finally letting his guard down a little bit and he's not as protective of being in character all the time. I mean, for God's sakes, the guy's on Twitter and Instagram now. (laughs) If that isn't a sign that the end is near, I don't know what is. Uh, So here's what we're going to do because we got a lot of different things to get to. I did watch NXT TakeOver Phoenix last night. I'm going to have my thoughts and review of that show coming up a little bit later. There's a lot of Other news bits uh, to get into here. And this is the final week of our top 10 countdown of the greatest championship matches in Royal Rumble history. We are finally down to number one in the countdown. Everybody thinks they know what number one is going to be. Are you right? Maybe. Maybe yes, maybe no. 
Maybe I'll pull a Russo swerve on you. You never know. But for those of you who did not hear uh, the Royal Rumble predictions that I posted, I did get them up early as a sound off extra on the YouTube channel a couple of days ago. And please let me know, by the way, if you are subbed to the YouTube channel, if you did not get a notification that that video went up. I think everything is fixed now, uh, but YouTube has just been shitting the bed the last few days. And I had some people say, I didn't even know that you posted anything on YouTube. So just give me a heads up and let me know, because if there are still problems going on, uh, I want to try to get this nipped in the butt. Obviously, I'll be reviewing the Royal Rumble pay-per-view tonight. And so very early in the morning, Monday morning, there'll be a review up. So even if you don't get the notification, just be aware there is a review that's going to go up, so look for it. Uh, But that's obviously something I'm very concerned about. So anyway, uh, I did get my predictions up a few days ago. I spent almost an hour running down this Royal Rumble card for tonight, giving predictions and some other thoughts. If you did not hear it, I'm going to play that audio for you right now. Uh, For the people who did not hear it, for those of you who did hear it, if you do not want to hear it again and you want to skip ahead, it runs about 52 minutes. So if you skip ahead by about 52 minutes or so, uh, you can skip over this part to the rest of the show. But for the rest of you, uh, here is the Royal Rumble rundown for tonight's pay-per-view from Chase Field in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, with predictions and some other thoughts. WWE Royal Rumble 2019 is this Sunday from Chase Field in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, The company is expecting about 40,000 people inside the stadium, although only about 25 to 30,000 of that is likely to be paid attendance. And if you want to get a sense of how slow ticket sales have been, they false advertised Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar for a month, even though they supposedly had no intention of delivering that match. Even when they first announced it, they only did that to try to move tickets. And up until the last week or so, and they might still be doing it, I don't know, but up until the last week at least, they were offering two-for-one deals on tickets. I'm sure once it's showtime, the stadium will look pretty packed, uh, but it will not be sold out. I like that they're doing it, though, in in a baseball stadium. We've only really, in the last, I mean, 20 years, I guess. I mean, I can't remember another baseball stadium show like this that WWE has done since WrestleMania 19. Uh, they may have done some kind of stadium show prior to that. Uh, just riffing off the top of my head, I can't think of one. Obviously, they've been in a bunch of football stadiums. I think it's going to make for a cool setting. Uh, it is a nice stadium. I haven't been there, but I've you know I've heard good things about it. Uh, I'm hoping for some cool dugout entrances. Daniel Bryan sort of spilled the beans on that last week. At least I hope he did. Uh, so we'll see what kind of setup and how the entrances are. I said this on Twitter the other day. Because they have a pool, for those who don't know, and the uh, right, kind of beyond the right center field fence is a pool area. Actually, there might be two small swimming pools uh, that people can rent out during baseball games. And I am going to be very disappointed if we do not get camera cutaways to the pool out in the right field stands with heavy machinery. And if we don't get shots of them cooking some steaks... Some shots of Otis acting all wacky. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Very disappointed if we don't see that. Chase Field is also offering what they are calling... This has become a story in the last 24 hours. They are offering the Royal Rumble Burger to all of the fans who are going to be in attendance. They describe it on their Twitter as an 18-ounce pork bratwurst patty on an onion roll with cheddar cheese, smoked bacon, crispy coleslaw, fried onions, onions on an onion roll, blech. And barbecue aioli topped with fried mac and cheese wedges. I think I got a 98% blockage just reading that. You got to see a picture of this thing. This thing looks three feet tall. Just remember, all you people who can't wait to go eat this thing, and a lot of you are all amped up, and man, I can't wait, I'm going to try this thing out. Just remember one thing, including the kickoff on Sunday, this is a six-hour show. So... Enjoy those bathroom blowouts, bring a magazine, have some mercy on the person going into the bathroom stall after you. The uh, kickoff show begins at 5 p.m. Eastern with two championship matches, at least as of uh, the day. I'm recording this here on the Thursday night before the Rumble. It's possible they could add another match. I don't think it's necessary, but you never know. But right now there's two championship matches slated for the kickoff show. We have a fatal four-way for the cruiserweight title, it will be Buddy Murphy defending against Kalisto, Akira Tozawa, and Hideo Itami. Daniel Bryan had cut a promo the other night, uh, I guess backstage at SmackDown. And this might have just been for WWE.com, so I'm not sure how many of you saw this. But he was in the back, he was cutting a little promo about Hideo Itami. And how in a match many years ago in Ring of Honor, Itami busted his eardrum, uh, which Bryan never had fixed. And so to this day, he cannot hear out of his left ear. He also can't uh, dunk his head underwater if he goes swimming. Uh, and so he's, you know, cutting this promo and then he, he teases. He says, you know, if a Tommy ever comes to SmackDown, he's going to get what he's got coming to him. So they didn't flat out say that Hideo Itami is going to come to SmackDown. But uh, if he ever does, Daniel Bryan's going to be looking for him because the two of them have history. That'd be fine with me. Although uh, we still haven't gotten that Daniel Bryan uh, Shinsuke Nakamura match on on television, I think they had a dark match once after a SmackDown taping. I'd like to get that match first before we start talking about Bryan and Atami. But uh, anyway, I think Murphy retains here. This should be a great match. You know, I checked out 205 Live uh, for the first time in a few weeks on Tuesday. Uh, pretty much watched the entire thing because I had heard that Aiden English has just been added to the 205 Live announce team. 
Uh, so he will now join Vic Joseph and Nigel McGuinness every week. Uh, because apparently in this company, no WWE show is immune to the three-man booth. Two men are just not enough. So we need a third wheel. And so they've added him. I thought he was fine. You know, for, for somebody who really hasn't done this before, I thought he sounded he sounded fine. And I'm sure he'll get comfortable and and better over time. He will not be calling this match, though, on Sunday. They've already announced the announced team for this match is going to be Vic Joseph, Nigel McGuinness, and Percy Watson. So all you Percy Watson fans from NXT, all uh, 12 of you, you can listen to his commentary here for this match. But uh, yeah, Buddy Murphy retains as my pick. The other kickoff match, we have Rusev defending the United States Championship against former champion Shinsuke Nakamura, the uh, winner of last year's Royal Rumble match. Oh, how the mighty have fallen from winning the Royal Rumble to being on the Royal Rumble kickoff show, all in the span of one year. Nakamura, of course, has no chance of repeating his Rumble win. If he does end up in the Royal Rumble match, I don't know if he's officially been announced or not. Uh, I would have to think he and Rusev both would be in there, but if he is, he has zero chance of repeating. And I don't think he's very likely to win back the U.S. title here either. I'm picking Rusev to retain. Uh, I think you need to keep the championship on him another month so that Andrade Cien Almas can uh, take it from him and that he can defend that mask versus title against Rey Mysterio at WrestleMania. Then we have the main show. The main show kicks off at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. We have The Bar defending against uh, defending their SmackDown Tag Team titles, that is, against the team of The Miz and Shane McMahon, or Shane uh, Miz, I guess uh, you would call them. Now, on SmackDown Tuesday, The Bar left the two of them laying. Shane ate a, a pretty stiff brogue kick to the... Fi- well, I mean, I guess every brogue kick from Sheamus is stiff. Uh, I think the end goal here, I still feel, it seems pretty obvious to me, that the end goal here is probably a singles match at WrestleMania between Shane and The Miz. And if that is the end goal, then them winning the tag team titles here actually does make sense. Because you've got two pay-per-views after the Royal Rumble before WrestleMania, right? We've got Elimination Chamber next month, and then in March we have... Fastlane, oh, you know, WWE Fastlane, right? Can't wait, can't wait for that. Can't wait for them to go on TV in the uh, the end of February and say WWE Fastlane every uh, ten seconds on TV. So you've got two pay per views sandwiched in between the two big ones here, and you know if if that is the destination, you've got to drag this out. You've got to stretch this out somehow. I think they should win the tag team titles. I think they do win the tag team titles. I'm picking Shane and Miz to win, and I think. Plenty of time for them to drop the belts and for one of them to turn on the other. Now, there were rumblings, uh, no pun intended, a while back, right, a couple months ago, that Shane McMahon was in line for a heel turn. Then the Raw ratings went to shit. I mean, they've been pretty much in the shitter now for the better part of a year. Uh, I saw Monday night, the largest drop-off ever in audience from Monday Night Raw from the first hour to the third hour. It was like something like 24% or something crazy like that. No football to blame. So that's pretty scary for WWE. But, you know, we we have the uh, shakeup. And that sort of disrupted whatever plans they may have had for the Shane McMahon heel turn. Doesn't mean he still can't turn heel. It just means whatever those plans were, were at least temporarily shelved. So the question is, who turns on who? I I still think, at the end of the day, Miz is much better as a heel. 
I think it's the Miz who will be the one turning if if either of them do. And and look, I, I think this is Sting and Ric Flair all over again from 1995 in WCW where Sting told Flair, remember, I'll be your partner, but you better not screw me, <laughs> right? And so what happened? Of course, the horseman screwed over Sting because Sting was an idiot and he never learned he never learned his lesson. Uh, Shane, the reason I bring this up is because on TV many weeks ago when he agreed to be Miz's partner, if you remember, Shane said the exact same thing to the Miz. When he agreed to be tag team partners with him, he said, you better not screw me. This is Sting and Flair, I think, all over again. This is Sting and the Horseman, uh, although not as good. But I think they win the titles here. Uh, I think things go south between them in the next several weeks. Miz turns on Shane. And there's your WrestleMania match. Shane gets his obligatory uh, singles match at WrestleMania. But they win the belts first. We have Asuka defending her SmackDown Women's Championship against Becky Lynch. Uh, This should be a good match. This is not one uh, that I much cared for when it was first announced. Because I thought, you know, and I still kind of do. Becky, well, first of all, there's no doubt. Becky Lynch should enter the Women's Royal Rumble match. Okay, and, and she should win. And it could still happen. But either she wins the championship and she doesn't go to the Rumble match, which I think would be a mistake, or she loses to Asuka. Now, if she loses to Asuka and then wins the Rumble, I guess, no big deal. But I don't think Becky Lynch should be losing. You know, she already lost at TLC. Wasn't one-on-one, but still, she lost. But I don't think Becky Lynch, you know, in, in this current role here should be losing very often. So her to, let's say, lose straight up to Asuka, I think, would be a huge mistake. You know, and I'm not I'm not going to get into what I think is going down just yet. I'm going to talk about Ronda in a second and, and sort of piece all this together and why I think that Becky Lynch is going to win the championship here. She's my pick. I am picking Becky Lynch to regain the SmackDown women's title. And uh, I'll kind of get into why a little bit more here now because... The other women's championship match, of course, the Raw women's title is on the line. Ronda Rousey will defend the Raw women's title against Sasha Banks. First time ever, Ronda versus Sasha. And uh, for the first time this past Monday night on Raw, Ronda Rousey was on the losing end of a match. She uh, did not eat the fall, but she teamed up with Natty against Sasha and Bailey, and Natty tapped out to the bank statement. Uh, Sasha had a little wardrobe malfunction. During the match, she uh, she made an ass out of herself. Don't tell uh, James, the WWE guy, he might get excited. Ronda was in the news this week. Actually, she was in the news all day as I'm recording this. Today was the day that everybody was talking about Ronda Rousey and her contract situation. And, you know, is she going to quit? Not quit, but is she going to basically wrap up after WrestleMania? What's going on with her? And this all stemmed from a, a report in this week's Wrestling Observer, right? I'm sure many of you have heard about this by now, saying that there was a very good chance. The rumor and the chatter was that there was a very good chance that Ronda Rousey would be finishing up, at least full-time, with WWE at WrestleMania. That that would be her final match, at least for a while. Uh, Even though, I believe it was actually the Observer last year that reported she signed a multi-year contract with WWE. And Pro Wrestling Sheet, Later in the day, they posted their own update clarifying that the truth may be more sort of uh, in the middle here. And that it might just be more of a situation where she might take a break 
to try to start a family. Not so much that she's done with the company, she's going to leave and, and not come back or just wrestle once a year. But, you know, she wants to possibly start a family. Now, TMZ went and got a statement from WWE, which said Ronda Rousey is under contract with WWE until April 10th of 2021. We don't normally hear WWE come out and give specific dates like that on whose contract is expiring when. But I guess they wanted to uh, quash this before it becomes an even bigger story. And so now we know exact, the exact date to the day that Ronda's contract expires. So she's not going anywhere. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. She is not going anywhere. Now, whether or not she wants to start a family... Uh, WWE in this statement said it is a private matter. Ronda Rousey wanting to have kids and possibly start a family, this is no big secret. She has publicly talked about this very openly before. She wants to start a family. That is a goal that she has. And, you know, look, that's a reality that a lot of these women, you know, who work in this company have to face. Do you want to start a family or not? And if so, if they do get pregnant, that's going to have a big impact on your career because that's at least nine months right there out of the ring. I mean, no woman has a baby and is back in the ring the next day. That's why I say at least nine months. You could be out the better part of a year. That's a year out of your career. And so, yeah, that's why That's why I say, you know, the guys are a lot easier, right? They want to have a kid. What do they do? They go play whoopee with the wife. And then they go about their business. They go back to work. They don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. With the women, though, it's very different. If Ronda really wants this, she can't wrestle. You can't have both. It's as simple as that. So she's going to have to make a choice. Uh, if she does leave, she can hold her head up high, I think, that she did good, quite frankly, in her uh, short run here in the company. She turned a lot of heads uh, with her in-ring work. I didn't quite know what to expect when I first saw her. And from the very first match that she had, which I'm sure was very rehearsed and very practiced, but you think back to that tag team match last year at WrestleMania, everybody involved, Stephanie, Kurt Angle, Triple H, Ronda, they played their part perfectly. I thought that was the best match last year at WrestleMania. Blew everything else out of the water. Uh, and she, look, she's taken to pro wrestling. She's been a fan her whole life. She's taken to this like a duck to water. Some people just are naturals at it. Kurt Angle was another example of that. He was a natural at it. And Ronda was a lot like him in a lot of ways. She never really looked out of place. Her promos and stuff, even now. I mean, she cut a promo backstage on Raw last Monday that <laughs> I almost had my head in my hands. Uh, so she she's hit or miss. But 
she's gotten a lot better even on, on the microphone when it comes to that kind of stuff. So I think that if this is, let's say, going to be it for her for a while and she does decide to take a break, she's got nothing to be ashamed about. She's had a hell of a run. She's been protected. Obviously, I mean, she's been protected a lot more than uh, the average woman would be in this company. So that helps. But she's never embarrassed herself. She's never embarrassed wrestling. I think she's been a great uh, ambassador in a lot of ways. This company got exactly what they wanted to out of her. And this big fat new TV contract that they just signed with Fox and the billions of dollars that with all the TV money they've got coming to them. Ronda Rousey had a lot to do with that. So for all the people who uh, don't like Ronda or if there's women in the company who are jealous or resentful of her, some women might be happy to see her go. I, you know, I'm sure there must be some people who feel that way. You know, they, they ought to think about that first. Because when that TV money comes trickling in, Part of that is due to the fact that they had Ronda Rousey under contract in their stable. That was a very attractive thing, I'm sure, that came up in those negotiations with Fox. So this deal that they made with her has already paid off for them in spades. But before any of that happens, she's got to deal with Sasha Banks, right? That's first and foremost, that's the match on Sunday. Uh, The two of them have been going at it tooth and nail on social media, back and forth. Sasha, in particular, has been very vocal Uh, lately she was on the edge and christian pot of awesomeness that they have and she was being very outspoken about a lot of different things and she said for for example that uh, she only found out about working with ronda the day before ronda went on raw and first name dropped her Uh, she didn't know that any of this was happening until the day before Uh, she says they they both wish she wishes they had more time to build up to the match And part of the problem, she says, is that WWE just runs way too many pay-per-views. Basically, she was saying out loud what all of us, I think a lot of us, uh, some of us say out loud, some people don't say out loud. But uh, she flat out said that this company runs too many pay-per-views. She said, look, once the Royal Rumble is over, we've got three weeks until the Elimination Chamber. Then we have the Chamber. And then you got another three weeks until Fastlane. And then you got four weeks until WrestleMania. There's never enough time. This is what she said. There's never enough time to sit and digest these stories. And she's not wrong. She's 100% right. And the fact that she would say so so publicly tells me that she doesn't care if she gets in trouble for saying this. And you might think, well, that's not going to do her any favors come Sunday. But you know what? I disagree. In fact, not only do I disagree, I am picking Sasha Banks to win the Raw Women's Championship and hand Ronda Rousey her first singles defeat at the Royal Rumble. And that was my pick even before this news came out today about Ronda and how she might be finishing up soon. Uh, I recorded my my Rumble picks for Matt. Shout out to Matt over at WrestleRumble. I did a video for him that went up a couple days ago. And my picks haven't changed, so <laughs> if you've seen, seen the video, I'm not waffling on who I think is, is winning the Women's Rumble, which we'll get to later. Uh, but Sasha Banks is my pick. I know that a lot of people are probably going to uh, have Ronda as their pick. She is undefeated. Some people might think, why beat Ronda? That's stupid. She's been unbeaten this whole time. Why not wait until WrestleMania? And then you can have, let's say, Becky Lynch be the first person to beat her. That's that's a fine idea, too. I don't have anything against that. But I also don't think it's the end of the world 
if Sasha wins the championship here, at least given the way that I think it's going to play out. So I think that it is backwards to do it the way that I think it's going to go down with Becky Lynch going into WrestleMania as the champion and having Ronda Rousey be the one to challenge. I just can't shake this feeling, though, that that's exactly what we're going to get here. I think that after Becky wins back the title from Asuka, that match happens first. She wins back the SmackDown Women's Championship earlier in the night. I think what happens is that she and or Charlotte, because you can have both of them. I mean, they're not going to be working together in cahoots or anything, but I both women have a beef, a justifiable beef. With Ronda Rousey, and both women have an incentive to want to cost Ronda the championship because Ronda did the exact same thing to them a month ago at TLC. So I think what's going to go down here is that you're going to have Becky win the belt back. You're going to have Becky and or Charlotte stick their nose in this match and cost Ronda the championship. Now, I know Charlotte on SmackDown Tuesday had some unkind words for Sasha in her promo. You know, but this this is not about them helping Sasha. It's not really about that. It's not as much about them helping Sasha as as it is them getting revenge, paying back Ronda for what she did to them last month. So this is a match I'm looking forward to. I don't care what the outcome is. Regardless of the outcome, I am looking forward to this match. Sasha Banks has not been featured much, at least not prominently, over the past year. And I know that that has been unbelievably frustrating for her. It is not hard to see that. You listen to her speak in interviews. I mean, I've had, look, I've had a couple people tell me uh, that that is the case, who who know her. And look, I don't need people to tell me that. I could tell just by looking at her and listening to her. She clearly is very frustrated with the year that she has had and the position that she has been in. She wants to be doing more. She wants to contribute more. She hasn't had that option. Well, guess what? Now she does. This is a big match for her. And it may be on short notice, but this is her chance to go out there and steal the show. This is the match she wanted. She wanted Ronda, she got Ronda. This is her chance to steal the show the way that she did with Bailey and NXT. Now, I think all the signs point to me being wrong on this. Especially with the women's tag team titles being decided next month. We know that we're going to have new women's tag team champions crowned in the Elimination Chamber match. And that is a natural fit. For Sasha and Bailey, I don't see how they're not in that match, if not win the tag team titles. And and so there's that, and I agree that Becky going after Ronda's title is, is the better way to go, but these are called predictions. These are not called hopes and dreams. And so I'm sticking with Sasha. She's my pick to win the title here. We have AJ Styles challenging Captain Planet for the WWE Championship. We had a uh, face-off. Between AJ and Brian on SmackDown Tuesday night, moderated, in effect, by Vince McMahon. Although Brian refused to get into the ring. He didn't want to be anywhere near AJ. So he stayed outside the ring and he was cutting this promo on AJ Styles about how he wants all of his fans to eat unhealthy food and wear his merch. Well, look, he's not wrong about the food part. If AJ's fans eat that Rumble Burger they're offering on Sunday, he's not going to have many fans left. They're all going to drop dead. Brian says he sees his power as being for the greater good. It's not to enrich himself. He's not the people's champion. He called himself the planet's champion. I think that the one thing we can say for sure 
about this match is that it's going to be a kick-ass match. I think it would be impossible for these two to go in there, especially on a stage like this, you know, big crowd, and have anything but a very good match. So I, I, I think we're in for maybe the best match on the entire show. As far as which way it goes, which way it swings, uh, I think Brian is going to retain the championship. I did float an idea a few weeks ago for, you know, AJ to win the belt back, and then we end up with, uh, you know, Rollins going on to WrestleMania to challenge him instead of the conventional wisdom, which is Lesnar. And as cool as I think that would be, again, these are predictions, <laughs> not hopes, I don't see Brian losing the championship so quickly. So I think he retains the title here and moves on. Because as much as I love seeing AJ and Brian one-on-one, this, I think, would be a nice way to sort of end things and both men move on to uh, other opponents heading into WrestleMania. So I'm picking Brian to retain. We then get to the Universal Championship. What was going originally to be Braun Strowman challenging Brock Lesnar is now Finn Balor trying to reclaim the Universal title that he never lost against the part-time beast Brock Lesnar. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Jay in the UK sent me an email pointing out that each of Brock Lesnar's last three matches, Crown Jewel against Braun Strowman, Survivor Series against Daniel Bryan, and now the Royal Rumble against Finn Balor, All of them were changed with about one week's notice, which is an interesting pattern. So uh, I don't know what that means, other than these people don't know what they're doing. (laughs) I'd like to think they do, but yes, last last minute changes to uh, Brock Lesnar's uh, list of opponents over the last several months. That seems to be the theme. We got to see Balor in the ring, physically side-by-side in the ring with Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar, as if, you know, people already don't have this complex about this guy, him being too small. They had to put him in the ring with both Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar. So, of course, naturally, he looked uh, tiny compared to both of them. But he got a fair amount of offense in. I thought that they did about as good of a job as they could have done on the go-home show making him look at least somewhat competitive like he can hang with this guy. He was flying all over the place. He was knocking Braun down. He was knocking Brock off the apron. Brock was out there uh, for a Finn Balor-Braun Strowman match, observing. He was at ringside watching the match uh, when things started to break down. And like I said, Balor was knocking him around too. He did a big dive out onto Brock on the floor. 
And Balor actually had the match seemingly well in hand. We'll never know. He was going up for the double stomp. And he, I think he hit, did he hit the double stomp? I think he did. He hit the double stomp on Strowman. But before he can get the pin, Brock slid back into the ring, hit an F5, and left him laying. So that was the big angle uh, that they did on Monday. They are keeping this beef alive between Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar. Uh, which at least keeps open the possibility that Braun is going to cost Brock the championship. He'll interfere. He'll cost Brock the title. That is the only way that I see Finn Balor winning the championship here. And I don't see that happening. I don't see that happening. Balor told ESPN, by the way, for those wondering about the whole demon thing, that he is not planning to wear the demon paint for this match. He says, this is all Finn Balor the man. Finn Balor, the, the the person, the mortal, the mere mortal, going into this match. Now, he could just be working everybody. Wouldn't be the first time he's been fucking with people. That's always possible. But I don't think we're going to see the demon here. I think that Balor puts up a valiant fight. I think Brock will throw him around and suplex him around for a good five minutes, maybe maybe longer. And then he'll bump his ass off for the guy. Not unlike what he did with AJ Styles, and not unlike what he did at the Survivor Series with Daniel Bryan. But in the end, much like those matches, he hits the F5. Thanks for coming. Brock Lesnar retains the Universal Championship. I do not see him dropping that title here on this show. Now, let me float kind of a wild idea by all of you. Because I'm curious to gauge your feedback. What if... Finn Balor loses to Brock Lesnar, which seems very likely. Then he returns later in the show as the Demon to win the Royal Rumble match. And he then chooses later on to challenge either Daniel Bryan or AJ Styles, whoever comes out as the WWE Champion, for that title at WrestleMania. Would you be mad? Would you be mad at that idea or would you be okay with that? Do you? Would you even like to see that? Would you be down for that? I don't think it happens, but yeah, you know what? Me, personally, I'd be down for that. I'm always down for a new Royal Rumble winner, somebody who hasn't won before. Uh, But I think that would be a very clever idea if they wanted to go down that road. You have Balor, just plain old Finn Balor, have a great showing but fall short against Brock Lesnar, and all of a sudden later on, boom, there's the demon, and he wins the whole thing. Here's the problem with that idea. I believe I've heard him talk about before that it takes him about three hours or so to have that paint applied to his body so i'm not really sure how realistic that idea even is you know you figure he has his match guy's got a shower he's got to dry off has to have the paint put on i don't know how realistic that is but hey you know what if mick foley can enter the royal rumble three different times as three different characters then finn balor can enter the royal rumble as the demon i just put that idea out there We then have the women's Royal Rumble match. Only the second ever in WWE history. Asuka has the honor of being the first ever women's Royal Rumble winner. And uh, this year she is not in it. The announced team is going to be Tom Phillips, Corey Graves, Renee Young, and Beth Phoenix. Four is a crowd. But that's your announced team for the women's Rumble. Carmella is set to enter at number 30. By virtue of her and R-Truth winning the Mixed Match Challenge. And uh, unless, unless of course, Truth 
tries to take her spot. He mistakenly comes out thinking, I'm number 30, although he's number 30 in the men's rumble, but he doesn't realize that, and he comes out and tries to take Carmella's spot. I'm not sure how, <laughs> if they let him in or what happens then, but I could see that happening. Uh, we know Alexa Bliss is back. She announced on Monday night that she will be in the rumble match. She's been out for a few months, uh, waiting to be cleared from a concussion. I do expect a few, well, I mean, at least one, if not a few, NXT names in there. I'm not just talking Nikki Cross or Lacey Evans. Technically, they're not NXT people anymore. Uh, but I think, depending on what happens at the TakeOver show on on Saturday, because again, as I'm recording this, the show hasn't happened yet, uh, we have that women's championship match between Shayna Baszler and Bianca Belair. I think it's one of those two. I think it's either Bianca or Shayna. Uh, I'm going to say whoever the champion is, whoever the, the NXT women's champion is coming out of that match. And I think it'll be Shayna Baszler. I think will be the one to have a cameo here in the women's Royal Rumble match. Uh, you, you wonder what about NXT UK? Why should they be left out? Well, I think Tony Storm or Rhea Ripley, not both of them, but one of them very likely to make an appearance here in the Royal Rumble. I think that would make sense. Uh, of the two. I'm going to say probably Rhea. I could see Rhea Ripley making an appearance. Uh, as far as Legends, you know, last year was the first one. And they felt like they had to load up on special names. So we had Trish Stratus, and we had Lita, and we had Molly Holly, and we had a few other names. I don't really know that you need Trish or Lita or or those types in the match this year. I haven't heard any rumblings about them or, or anything like that. Uh... I just feel like we we got that last year, right? And Trish got the nice pop and Lita got the nice pop. And they would here too. It's not like people would sit on their hands for them. Uh, I just don't know that we're going to see them. I, I, I don't know uh, if there's room for them or if it's even needed for them to be in this. Uh, as far as what my plan had originally been uh, all along for this Rumble match, it was for Becky to win. Right now, as of this moment, she is not officially in the Royal Rumble match. Although, if she doesn't win the title from Asuka, she has to be. It's it's booking malpractice if this woman does not win the championship and does not end up in the Rumble match. That would make no sense. And if she is in it, I think she wins. But, since I have Becky Pegg to win back the championship from Asuka, uh, it's like I said before, I think R- Ronda gets screwed out of the title in her match with Sasha. She then enters the Royal Rumble match as a surprise entrant, and she eliminates Charlotte to win the entire thing. So basically, my prediction for last year's Royal Rumble (laughs) is what I'm predicting for this year's Royal Rumble. Uh, I had predicted that Rousey would debut in the company, and in her first appearance last year, they'd put her over and she'd eliminate Stephanie and win the Royal Rumble. Obviously, that didn't happen. She came out after the Rumble. Uh, which was probably the better idea. But I think that this year, I feel a little bit more confident in predicting a Rousey win this year than I did last year. I think Ronda wins the Rumble. And she chooses Becky as her opponent at WrestleMania, which is, uh, you know, one way that you get Ronda over to SmackDown and you can let the two of them, you know, build up their match going into WrestleMania. Uh, They could still worm Charlotte into that match if they really want to. I'm sure they've got just a hard-on for that triple threat match. You you know that Vince wants Charlotte in that match. I don't think she needs to be in there. I would rather it be Ronda and Becky. You get some steam going again between those two. It's kind of on the back burner right now. It's been, you know, Ronda's had her beef with, with Sasha. But that's going to come to an end on Sunday, win or lose. 
and they've got to get back to really building up this thing with Becky and and uh, and Ronda. I don't care one way or the other. If, you know, if they want Charlotte in there, fine. If they have a triple threat at WrestleMania, I'm sure it'll be a very good match. But I don't really care for Charlotte being involved here. The real issue for me is between Becky and Ronda. And especially if Ronda is going to disappear after WrestleMania and take an extended break, you've got to do that match. It has to be. One-on-one. Ronda and Becky. But I'm picking Ronda Rousey here to win the Royal Rumble. And finally, we have the men's 30-man Royal Rumble match. Michael Cole, Corey Graves, Jerry Lawler, and JBL will be on the call for this. So make sure that your remote control has fresh batteries in it before the show starts. You're going to be wearing out your mute button. R-Truth, we know, is slated to enter at number 30. I don't know how many people actually believe that he will end up coming out at number 30. Either he'll come out in the Women's Rumble, or somebody's going to jump him and steal his number. I think some kind of shenanigans are going to go down. I would be very surprised if R-Truth actually makes it out at number 30. Uh, And we'll get some kind of a surprise, but not the winner. The winner has to be whoever enters at number 25, because I drew number 25... (laughs) In our Royal Rumble pool on in the uh, in the Facebook group, so in both Rumbles, I am cheering for whoever enters at number twenty-five to win the entire thing. John Cena, John Cena is very likely out of the Royal Rumble. That's not confirmed. WWE has not said that he is out, but they said that he is questionable. And uh, this is part of a, a storyline that they're doing. This is from WWE.com. They posted this on Monday. John Cena's status in the men's Royal Rumble matches in question following an apparent left ankle injury sustained during the main event on Raw two weeks ago. Uh, in that match, it was, uh, if you remember the Fatal 4-Way, that Balor won. Drew McIntyre had put Cena in an ankle lock. And they showed footage of Cena when it was over holding his left ankle. They really, they, they gave some forethought to this. Because you could see Cena favoring the ankle, and he was limping on it when the match was over. Uh, They mentioned in this update that the injury was exacerbated as Cena was training his legs at the gym. Really? Have you seen John Cena? The guy's got chicken legs. Doesn't, Doesn't look like a leg guy. Every time I see one of these videos, he's always doing chest, he's doing arms. Never see him doing legs. But apparently in the storyline here, he injured his leg. And so they are casting down on whether or not he will be in the Rumble match. Now, he is filming a movie, although not this weekend. He's starting to film a movie, I think, up in Canada starting next weekend. Uh, the real story here is that apparently, according to uh, to Meltzer, he was never even originally scheduled to be in the Rumble at all. This is like the Braun Strowman-Brock Lesnar thing, where they never really had any intention of doing that match. They just wanted to try to sell tickets. Well. Same thing with John Cena. They needed a big name to announce, so they announced it. And in reality, they never had any intention of him actually being part uh, of this match. Now, it would make sense that Lars Sullivan was supposed to be the one to take him out on TV last week or the week before. Uh, He's been dealing, as we know, as we've heard, with personal issues And so they are crediting instead Drew McIntyre as being the one to injure Cena, hurt his ankle. Again, I'm sure they would have done some kind of an injury angle with Lars instead of Drew. 
but with Lars out of the picture, they went with McIntyre. Triple H on the TakeOver conference call the other day was asked about Lars Sullivan. He didn't deny any of the reports. He didn't say, no, that's false. That's not true. All he said is that Lars is in a good place and nothing has really changed and that we would all know it when we see it, whatever that means. But Cena is not actually hurt. This is not a real injury that he is dealing with. Uh, If they want him in the Rumble, he'll be there. I'm not saying he won't be. I'm just saying right now that that doesn't sound like it's the plan. So let's look at the possibilities here in this match, shall we? Uh, Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman was removed, as we all know, from the Universal title match uh, for fear that losing to Brock Lesnar could hurt him, which, again, I laugh so much at when I think about that, when you consider what they've done, what they have not done, all the situations that they put him in to win the championship before, and he constantly falls short. And and then that awful promo a few weeks ago where he forgot his lines. I mean, they have put this guy in a position to look... Uh, to look bad, frankly, many times. For all the times they make him look strong, they've made him look almost as bad in the last several months. And so the idea that, well, we don't want to hurt the guy, it's like, really? Have you been paying attention to what's going on here? So they didn't want to hurt him, so he didn't face Brock Lesnar here. That tells me they still have big plans for him. And if that's the case, then he's got to be one of the favorites to win the Royal Rumble. I hope not. I really don't want to see him win the Royal Rumble. I'm kind of over the entire Lesnar-Strowman thing. I have no desire to see it. I mentioned Finn Balor, speaking of possibilities. If he loses, possibly coming back out as the Demon and uh, winning with the Demon paint on, I don't think we can discount that possibility. I think that it's very possible that that could happen. And then instead of choosing Brock Lesnar, he picks the WWE Championship to challenge for at WrestleMania. So we'll put him in the uh, possibility column here for the Royal Rumble. We've got Randy Orton. Does Randy Orton have a realistic chance of doing what only one other man in history has done? That being Stone Cold Steve Austin, which is three-peat as a Royal Rumble winner. I sure hope not. But that's what they wanted you to think at the end of SmackDown on Tuesday night when he left Samoa Joe laying, hit an RKO out of nowhere. The fans lost their minds for Orton at the end of that show. They went nuts when he hit that RKO on Joe. Uh, Could we see AJ Styles take back the WWE Championship from Daniel Bryan and then maybe have Randy Orton win the Royal Rumble for a third time and challenge AJ for the title? At WrestleMania, the two of them have never had a proper program together. They've had one or two matches on television. Uh, I think that this is, again, a very unlikely scenario, but you know, put it in the possibility column. That, that would really be the only scenario if uh, AJ won the belt back. Because then at least you have a, a program that really hasn't been done before. Uh, but Randy Orton winning for a third time, ugh, no, I, I have no interest in seeing that. We have Drew McIntyre. His star is on the rise. I I can't see them doing Lesnar and McIntyre, two heels at WrestleMania. But if Finn Balor were to win the championship, let's say Braun gives him the assist, Finn wins the belt, I could see Drew McIntyre challenging him for the title. I I don't think that's really 
what I would call a strong championship match to do at WrestleMania, but I could see that happening. I, I still think, though, very unlikely that Drew McIntyre is winning this. Uh, I will give him uh, some props, though. He did hit a very sweet-looking reverse Alabama slam to Seth Rollins on Monday night on the floor. I uh, just felt like mentioning that because I thought it was cool. As far as surprises go, let's talk about surprises here. Uh, let's get these out of the way first. No, Kenny Omega will not be in the Royal Rumble. No, Roman Reigns will not be in the Royal Rumble. Leave the man alone. The Monster Abyss. Now that's interesting. I could definitely see him as a surprise in the Royal Rumble. Even if he's not coming to the company to be an active wrestler, which it doesn't sound like he is, but as a one-shot for one night only, just to be able to say that he got to wrestle in a WWE ring, why not? No reason he can't use the name. If you remember last year, Impact dropped uh, exclusivity last year on all names and likenesses uh, for its talents, which is why EC3 was allowed to be EC3. Uh, I'm going to talk about this story when I do the uh, the podcast, the full podcast on Sunday. I'll have more thoughts on the whole you know, Abyss signing with WWE situation. That one shocked me when I heard about it. I got to tell you, when I when I saw that news item yesterday, that one blew me away. That was a name I never thought would leave impact. So I'll talk more about that on Sunday. But what other surprise? What about surprises from NXT? Absolutely. Right, we're going to see at least one, if not two, I think, NXT names in the Royal Rumble. I see the name Velveteen Dream being thrown around. I think hes it's very likely that Velveteen Dream will make an appearance. He's running his own angle right now on uh, social media where he's very upset that he has not been recruited to the main roster. Be careful what you wish for, Velveteen Dream. <laughs> but he's very upset. He has not been drafted or recruited over to Raw or SmackDown. And he says until such time that he and WWE can come to an agreement on what his worth is, he will not be making any appearances. And he went and he locked his Twitter account. He locked it. He put it on private. Again, last year, we had Andrade Cien Almas as the NXT champion. He and Adam Cole were the two NXT surprises who made appearances in the Royal Rumble. Almas didn't win, but he looked strong. He was in there for about 30 minutes. He had a good showing. I think Velveteen Dream is certainly one option for this year. There's another name that I really haven't seen mentioned. But I would not uh, sleep on this as a possibility that he will be making an appearance in the Royal Rumble on Sunday. Uh, I think there's as much of a chance of him being there as, as Velveteen Dream. And that guy is Matt Riddle. I think we may well see Matt Riddle make an appearance in the Royal Rumble on Sunday. What about Mustafa Ali? Do I think Mustafa Ali has a shot at winning the Royal Rumble? <laughs> not really. No. Very slim. Although, again, I, I wish they would consider going with a, a surprise underdog pick. None of these other names I've mentioned, Strowman, McIntyre, these aren't underdogs. What a great story it would be for Mustafa Ali to go in there and win the Royal Rumble. Not going to happen. But it would make for a good story. That promo, by the way, that little video they aired for him on Tuesday during SmackDown, uh, before his match with Samoa Joe... I know a friend of his, a fellow wrestler, helped him shoot that. That was tremendous. Uh, that is the sort of thing I'd like to see them doing more of on these shows. I'd like to see Ali get the Iron Man spot. Not, not win the whole thing. He's not going to win. But 
I'd like to see him get the Iron Man spot this year. Uh, he doesn't have to eliminate a whole bunch of people like, like, you know, Kane or Roman Reigns did in the past, but, you know, let him go in there and get the Almas spot from last year's match. Let him go 30, 40 minutes. I think they should give that spot this year to Mustafa Ali. And give us a face-off at some point during the Rumble between Ali and Seth Rollins. Ali is basically Rollins, but with some really cool light-up gear. <laughs> so I think the two of them side-by-side, face-to-face like that, that that's a confrontation I'd like to see. Which brings me to Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins may be the obvious choice, but he is my choice, my pick, my prediction to win this year's men's Royal Rumble match. Uh, As he pointed out during his promo on Raw last Monday, two months ago, he had two titles and two brothers. Now, he has no titles and what he called a broken family. Aw. He has been taking little pot shots and digs at Brock Lesnar being an absentee champion now for many months. He has a history with Brock Lesnar, including at WrestleMania. And he is the only member of the Shield that Brock Lesnar has never pinned or made to submit in a one-on-one match. Yes, he pinned him in the triple threat at the Rumble, ironically, uh, four years ago at the Rumble. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He ate the pin in the triple threat match, but I'm talking one-on-one. Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins. Brock has never beaten him. Straight up one-on-one. The only S.H.I.E.L.D. member... Who can say that? There's a history there. Now, if I'm looking at Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman as the two most logical picks here in this match, he is the better, Rollins is, of the two choices. I go with Rollins as being the guy to beat the Beast. Although, there is another scenario here. It's the one that I mentioned before that I had pitched a few weeks ago, which is that Rollins wins the Royal Rumble, AJ Styles wins back the WWE Championship, and instead of choosing Brock Lesnar, Rollins chooses to wrestle AJ Styles at WrestleMania. First time ever match in WWE. And that way, if they really want to do Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar, I'm not enamored with it, but on the Raw side, they can get to Brock Lesnar and Braun Strowman if that's the match that they want to do. And then once WrestleMania is over, you send AJ to Raw. You're not going to have AJ and Rollins permanently on the same brand. You basically swap them. Rollins goes to SmackDown, becomes the champion, and then post-Mania, AJ goes to Raw. That also works. So I think the match, uh, at the end of the day, I think they're going to go with the safe choice. They're going to go with the obvious choice. 
I think the WrestleMania match is going to be Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins. And Seth Rollins is my pick to win the 2019 Royal Rumble match. Now, somebody posted in the Facebook group uh, that Becky Lynch, I don't know if they came up with this or they got this from somewhere, but their idea was that Becky Lynch should win the Men's Royal Rumble because she calls herself the man. I cannot even begin to imagine all of the male fans, especially the ones who hate this woman's gimmick or hate women's wrestling. I cannot believe the reaction from all of the men who would have an absolute meltdown if that actually happened. It would be pretty dumb. I mean, let's be let's be honest here. I mean, it would be pretty dumb given that they don't allow men to even fight back against the women. Uh, could I see them doing it? You know what? I put nothing past them. I put nothing past these people. You could have Charlotte win the Women's Royal Rumble. Becky loses to Asuka. She enters the Men's Rumble, wins it. Both women then can lay claim to challenging Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. And boom, there's your triple threat match. You know, people post these things as gags, like uh, kayfabe news type stuff, but you got to be careful not to give them any ideas. Although I have to say it would be worth it just to see Road Warrior Animal's reaction. Just just to see Road Warrior Animal's head explode. Face paint flies everywhere. Shoulder spikes go flying. That'd be great. So that's your Royal Rumble card for this Sunday. On paper, I think it looks like a pretty strong card. I like the Royal Rumble. We've had some pretty horrible ones. We've had some pretty good ones uh, in the last several years. I'm hoping this is on the good side. Uh, I like the whole baseball stadium you know, atmosphere. I'm looking forward to this show. I've got my fingers crossed. I've got my guard up. WWE has let me down in these situations before. I'm trying not to get my hopes up too much. It's hard, man. It's hard to fuck up the Royal Rumble. They've done it before. They have managed to do it more than once. But it's a hard thing to fuck up the Royal Rumble. I think it's going to be a fun show. Looking forward to it. Just a few quick thoughts from Raw and SmackDown this past week. We had a segment on Monday night with The Revival. They were complaining to Vince McMahon in the back. Art imitating life. Only this time, it was about being screwed. In their tag team title match from the previous week, they wanted one more shot, and Vince decided to give it to them, but he added Kurt Hawkins as the guest referee this time around. Of course, they didn't win. They blamed Hawkins for their loss. They beat him up after the match until Zack Ryder came out to make the save, and, well, they wanted to strengthen the tag team division, right? That was supposedly one of the issues they had. They're not just unhappy with their own position in the company. They think that the tag team division has been severely neglected. And so maybe this is WWE's way of trying to show them, hey, here's a new tag team for you. <laughs> here's here's Hawkins and Ryder. See, we're making progress here. Enjoy the rest of the time on your contracts, which apparently don't expire until April of next year. So uh, they're not going to be going anywhere for a while. I do want to show some love for the Tiger Spin spot that I'm sure people either didn't see or don't even remember now. It's all these days later. But in that match with uh, Gable and Rude against the Revival on Monday, there was what's called the Tiger Spin spot where Chad Gable, and you know, he used it uh, in the match. You know, he does all this chain wrestling and these, these great uh, counters and moves. I mean, Gable is just so freaking good. I will never get tired of watching him do that spot. He used that spot also in NXT 
including in matches that American Alpha had with the Revival, in fact. Uh, And, you know, for all this talk about the Revival, let's not sleep on Chad Gable. It'll be an even bigger injustice, I think, if this company does not do bigger things with him in the future. He's got a good thing going on right now. He's one half of the tag team champions. That's all well and good. But if, you know, they drop the belts, let's say, and then all of a sudden Gable is one of these forgotten sons in the company... Uh, then I think it's just an unbelievable waste of talent uh, if they keep him around and don't do anything with him. So uh, hopefully they will uh, realize what they have in that guy because he's a special talent. I've been saying that since the NXT days. He's a special talent. Uh, SmackDown Live, we had a two out of three falls rematch. Rey Mysterio and Andrade Cien Almas, another excellent match on Tuesday night. This time, as I said, it was two out of three falls. Zelina Vega was barred from ringside. Some of the highlights, uh, there was an attempted Rana off the top rope by Ray. Almas held on, and he got him up in a powerbomb position while standing on the middle rope on the inside. He's holding Ray up in a powerbomb position. And while he is standing up on the middle rope inside the ring, he steps up onto the top rope and executes a top-rope sit-out powerbomb to win the first fall. That was the best part of this entire thing, that he actually won the fall with it. (laughs) How many times have we seen crazy, ridiculous moves like that, and the person kicks out, right? Near fall, two and a half only. He actually won the fall with that move. I was so happy to see that. Uh, That was the best part for me, that Ray didn't kick out. Ray then scored the second fall with a Canadian Destroyer, it's only a matter of time before they ban that move. You know that, right? You you do realize this. Enjoy it while it lasts. Because I laugh every time. They ban pile drivers. They're so dangerous. We can't have people landing on their head and neck. So for years, other than the tombstone, they have banned pile drivers. I mean, that one time John Cena and CM Punk said, you know, fuck you on Raw that one time. And I'm sure Vince had a coronary backstage. But they ban pile drivers. But the Canadian Destroyer, what is the Canadian Destroyer? If you, if you watch the move and the motion, what really is the Canadian Destroyer? It's a fancy flipping pile driver. <laughs> the guy is landing right on top of his head. You know, apparently that's okay. But a pile driver isn't. It's just such a, such a goofy thing. Uh, they did some other incredible things in this match. It was Samoa Joe, though, at the end who came out. Powerbomb Mysterio on the ring apron to ruin the entire thing. He uh, ruined the day here, did Samoa Joe. And uh, it also gave Ray the disqualification win for the second fall. Uh, I went to WWE.com to verify this because I had it down as a DQ. Like in my notes, I wrote Ray wins by DQ uh, that, that fall. But then I saw other people say, oh, it was a no contest. These two went to a no contest, which would make no sense because Joe attacked Ray. He attacked Ray Mysterio first and then the bell rang. Only after that did he go after Almas. Why would it be a no contest? That's two falls to one. These people can't do math. (laughs) So sure enough, WWE.com had it listed also as a DQ, which means Rey Mysterio wins the match. And that makes the two of these guys one for one against each other in their last two matches, which is perfect. Because now, if they play their cards right, like I've been saying, they can build to the rubber match at WrestleMania and do mask versus title, if let's say Almas gets the U.S. title, even if he doesn't get the U.S. title, 
they can still build to a rubber match between these two at WrestleMania. That's why I didn't mind the finish. You know, Joe came out, you know, like like any good heel, pissed everybody off and caused the DQ, but it kept the possibility open of them sort of uh, climaxing this whole thing at WrestleMania, so I'm fine with it. PW Insider broke the news this week that two mainstays of Impact Wrestling have left the company and they are likely headed to WWE, uh, which was all but confirmed the other day by Triple H. I think it was on a conference call. Or maybe it might have been actually the uh, either the conference call pre-takeover or uh, the interview he did post-takeover. But somebody flat out asked him about Abyss and Sanjay Dutt coming to WWE. And he, I mean, they haven't put any kind of press release out about this yet, but he basically, he didn't deny it and uh, all but admitted it. So they are on their way into uh, WWE. And, you know, again, the names are Abyss and Sanjay Dutt, who have both been off and on in the case of Sanjay with Impact going back to the early days of the company. And both of whom had been working behind the scenes for the company now for a while. Uh, and I'm just thinking to myself, man, first Jeremy Borash, who was like Mr. TNA, also one of the guys from the early days, he leaves, he comes to work for Triple H and NXT, and now these two. Who's left from the early days of TNA? Who still works there? Who's left? I'm sure there must be someone. But off the top of my head, all the, all the key players are gone. Ed Nordholm of uh, Anthem issued a statement to Wrestling Inc. that said this, We reached an amicable agreement with Sanjay and Abyss to allow them to pursue this opportunity. They have been tremendous contributors to Impact Wrestling and we wish them every success. We are thrilled with Conan and Tommy Dreamer agreeing to bring their 50-plus years of experience to our core creative team. So Conan and Dreamer are the ones replacing uh, Sanjay and Abyss. Now Sanjay at least had time left on his deal. I don't know about Abyss. Uh, so they let him go early. Uh, I'm sure Dash and Dawson must be very jealous. He had been one of the head creative voices, head writers for the company backstage. Um, both guys are expected to be working for NXT on that brand, which is where Borash works. Uh, Sanjay has been with Impact, like I said before, off and on uh, since the early days. Probably a good, I would say, if you add up all his years in the company, it's got to equal about 10 years. Uh, but it's the Abyss thing that threw me for a loop. I was genuinely shocked when I heard this news that Abyss was leaving Impact to go to WWE. Abyss is 45 years old. About 12 or 13 years ago, he had the chance to come to WWE and possibly, I mean, who knows what actually would have happened, but what was either promised or, or talked about, was him coming in to start an angle with The Undertaker to work a WrestleMania match against The Undertaker at what probably would have been WrestleMania 23, I guess. Uh, and he elected not to do so. At the last minute, he elected not to do so. He wanted to stay with TNA. He was the heart and soul of that company and, and one of the very few originals even left uh, after all the other ones had disappeared. I was there for his Hall of Fame induction a few years ago that Impact threw him in New York. Uh, that's where I shot that video of uh, the big brawl at the end with Austin Aries and Johnny Impact. That was at the tail end of Abyss's speech. They did that that angle uh, leading up to Bound for Glory. But, you know, he was giving his speech and he was 
you know, watching the tribute video to him up on the screen and he was genuinely moved by all of the love and the way that people spoke about him in that company, his speech, the thought never even crossed my mind at this stage that three months later, we would be talking about his leaving for WWE. It sounds like Borash probably put a good word in for both of them. Uh, He worked with both of them for so long, and I think were it not for him, I think he's sort of the link here, were it not for him, I don't think this deal goes down. You know, now Abyss was working in creative behind the scenes for a while, uh, although from what I understand, that hasn't been the case for a number of months. He was also a producer for them, not, not doing as much wrestling these days. He did answer Eli Drake's open challenge at Bound for Glory, which was disappointing because everybody was thinking, hey, Chris Jericho is going to come out and then here comes Abyss. Uh, but he got you know a nice moment for himself and uh, laid out Eli Drake on that show. But he slowed down a lot. You know, he he's beat up. He's had a lot of injuries, a lot of wear and tear on his body. The man has wrestled that hardcore style for so long with the barbed wire and the thumbtacks and taking big bumps. He's wrestled that style for so long. 45 years old. You know, this is this is the Sting thing, where had he come in a lot earlier, there's lots of different guys that he could have worked with. Now, you know, I don't know that he has much to offer in the ring. He can he can do a match. It's not like he's incapable of having a match. He's got his style that he does. But, you know, how much does he really have left to offer as an in-ring performer? Now, behind the scenes, absolutely. You will not find one person to say one bad word about the man. One of the nicest guys you'll find. Always willing to help other people and give advice. Give of himself. Put others over. You know, that's been his MO for so long. I think he can be an asset to any company he works for. So this is a good pickup for WWE. Uh, And I do think that there is a chance that we will see him as a surprise entrant in the Royal Rumble tonight. Uh, Like I said earlier, you know, Ed Nordholm last year, after the whole Broken Hardys fiasco where... (laughs) They certainly uh, took it on the chin and did not look good coming out of that whole thing. He made the call to drop exclusivity of intellectual property for its talent going forward, which is why, for example, EC3 was allowed to come to WWE and be called EC3. You know, even just a few years ago, two years ago, that would not have been possible. But you own your name and gimmick now, and Impact will let you take it with you and go wherever you want when you're done with the company. And you know what? Hat tip to Impact for that. For all the things you could say about Impact and things that have been done over the years and different regimes and management that the company has had, that's awesome. That's something that I wish WWE would know. I know why they don't. They want to protect their intellectual property. But how cool would that be if they said, you know what? Dolph Ziggler, you've been Dolph Ziggler for how many years now of your career? You've built up your name as Dolph Ziggler and you want to leave? And go be a comedian, or maybe if he wants to eventually go wrestle somewhere else. Would be kind of nice if Dolph knew that, hey, I've got equity in this name. I want to take that name with me. Can't do that. But Impact dropped that. And so there's no, there would be no problem with him showing up, let's say, in the Rumble or in NXT or something as a, an attraction for a match. Uh, and calling himself... Abyss. I I assume that he can use that name and there wouldn't be any issues with him doing so. Uh, So him coming out as the Monster Abyss for a quick cameo in the Rumble to be able to say that, hey, he wrestled one time. I got to wrestle one time in a WWE ring at a big event. Why not? Is that so far-fetched to think? I don't think so. 
If not the Rumble, like I said, he could work a match here and there if they think that he can be useful in that way. You know, if the, if, if the if the Saudi prince wants mankind on his next show, all Vince has to do is have Abyss put his mask on, and I don't think that they would probably even know the difference. <laughs> you know, me personally, you guys know that I'm a mark for that Joseph Park character. I'm a, I'm a Park mark. I love that character from the moment that he debuted. That was during a period where I happened to be watching Impact on a weekly basis. They had won me back over, and... All of a sudden, he shows up one day as the brother of Abyss. Have you seen my brother, Chris? And I don't know, just there was a certain charm to the character. He was funny. The segments in the back would sting, and I don't want to kayfab you. And I don't know. Just I, I was a big fan, and still am, of the Joseph Park character. Joseph Park does not have to wrestle. Abyss is a wrestler. Joseph Park, although he did wrestle, he's not a wrestler. He's a lawyer. He could be the personal attorney for one of the NXT stars. He could be general manager one day. He could be on television without having to wrestle a single match. He could take bumps, but he doesn't have to wrestle a match. I hope we get to see Joe Park on television at some point. I really do like that idea, though. If they have a heel, let's say, or or uh, someone, and, and I don't know if you would call him a manager per se, I don't know, a mouthpiece, but... Him as, again, a lawyer representing a whole stable of talent or something. Why not? I think that could be fun. The Rock announced on Instagram that Roman Reigns will be making his feature film debut alongside him in his Fast and Furious spinoff film that they've been filming uh, recently, Hobbs and Shaw, which is uh, due out August 2nd. And then I think Roman Reigns actually made a post on his uh, social media as well. We haven't heard really at all from him, although uh, some people have snapped photos and videos of him recently. He looks good. Uh, You can tell he's lost, obviously, some muscle mass, but uh, he looks good, especially for somebody going through what he's going through. Uh, I was very surprised to even see him on the set, you know, filming uh, anything and looking pretty much like you would expect Roman Reigns to look. So I don't know at what stage he is as far as his treatment. I don't know what his treatment plan is. Uh, but from what I've seen, he's looking pretty good. Not not good enough to uh, be back in the ring, I'm sure. You know, obviously people saw that, and I've gotten a lot of emails. Oh, do you think he's going to be a surprise in the Royal Rumble? I don't. And I think people just need to kind of take a step back here and just understand that, yeah, he, he looks the same. He doesn't look like he's sick, but... There's a lot of people who look, you know, pretty good and don't look like they're sick. But, you know, meanwhile, they're going through, you know, a life or death uh, fight with some kind of terrible illness. He's one of the lucky ones who, I guess, is able to, you know, keep uh, keep busy, keep his mind off things and is doing well. Hopefully he continues to do well. I don't think he needs to worry about getting back in the ring. That's just not going to happen for a while. Hopefully at some point, maybe even later this year, who knows? But it's not going to happen for a while. Could we see him at the Rumble? Could he make some kind of appearance at the Rumble? You know, maybe celebrate with Seth Rollins if Seth Rollins wins the Rumble match. Yeah, I, I would say it's entirely possible. Um, but this idea that is he going to be a surprise in the Rumble and go on to WrestleMania? Let me, let me Let me say this about Roman Reigns. I think that even if Roman Reigns was well enough to come back in the Royal Rumble and win the entire thing and go on to WrestleMania and challenge Brock Lesnar. I think it's a bad idea. Because one of the 
horrible as it is, what he's going through, one of the benefits of him being gone for a while and him going through something like this and hopefully conquering it and being able to eventually come back, it does make for a great comeback story. But I don't know that he's been gone long enough where if he showed up tonight, you know for a fact that there is going to be a a huge swath of people, a huge segment of people who are just going to say, see, it was all bullshit. He was never actually sick. They just created this story. It was a work. They wanted to get people to cheer him. That's all it was. And they'll just start booing the shit out of him again. And all these conspiracy, you know, nut jobs who think that he's not really sick and it's all just a work, they're going to feel emboldened. And that's the last thing I need to be hearing. So I think, actually, the best thing for him to do, whether he's healthy or not, is stay away longer. And six months from now, a year from now, 18 months from now, there's going to be a great story that can be written for this guy when he eventually, hopefully, comes back. Now, speaking of The Rock, New Japan was put between a rock and a hard place this week with its New Beginning USA Tour, which kicks off this Wednesday in Los Angeles with shows also in Charlotte and Nashville to follow. Uh, The shows will feature American uh, stars, names from Ring of Honor, and Young Lions from the company's LA Dojo. And only one actual Japanese name who is being flown in from England. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, any Anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. No recognizable Japanese names from New Japan Pro Wrestling on these New Japan Pro Wrestling shows. Uh, they issued a statement explaining why. They said it is with great disappointment that we must announce that due to the ongoing 2018-2019 United States federal government shutdown. We were unable to obtain visas for our Japanese talent who were looking forward to seeing our U.S. fans on this tour. We are excited to still be able to share a great lineup with our fans, regardless of visa issues. The IWGP U.S. champion Juice Robinson is defending his title against Beretta, and the great Okarn, who is flying in from England, will be debuting in New Japan. What's more, this show will highlight the talent and potential of our young Lions who have been working hard in the NJPW LA Dojo. This sounds like a case where the government, from everything I can ascertain here, still had the ability to process visas. Uh, Some people were pointing that out, and that is true. Apparently the government did, at least through, I think, the fall, if need be, had the ability to process visas. 
but they don't just issue visas, you know, unilaterally. These things have to go through other channels that all have to work together. It's like, uh, you know, a machine with all the gears and all the moving parts. There are other offices. There are other embassies. They all have to work together. And there are people involved in this process who were, who were furloughed, who were not working because of the government shutdown. That creates this huge bottleneck, which would explain why that, you know, this happened and why they got screwed. Now, of course, the shutdown is over uh, since they put that statement out. It was only like a day or two later that this uh, stupid shutdown finally ended, at least for a few weeks. But it was too late for this tour. And for the record, New Japan, just to kind of defend them on this here, from everything I saw from the lineups and what was said in advance, New Japan never did promise any headliners or big names on these shows. I don't know that there was really any expectation of them having big names like a Tanahashi or an Okada or a Naito or anybody like that. But of course, there was certainly an expectation that there would be at least some mid-level names on these shows, actual Japanese names from New Japan. Uh, that is that is true. Uh, the feedback that I've seen, and somebody will correct me if I'm wrong, but the feedback that I've seen indicates that they are not offering refunds to people who are very upset over this. Which, you can understand why people would be upset, right? Seeing as how they bought tickets weeks in advance, expecting to see some Japanese talent from New Japan. There are some UK talents on the tour, uh, so I have to assume the visa process is just easier for them than it is for the Japanese talent. Uh, but it's just, the whole thing was a complete and total shit show. Uh, and so it's not at all surprising that things could have affected, uh, you know, the, the whole tour in this way. It sucks for New Japan because I don't think there was any malice involved here. Uh, there's some people really railing hard on New Japan and, and you could say, well, they made mistakes, but it's not as though they had some nefarious plan to screw people you know, in advance, where they were knowingly false advertising things. Like another company I can think of who happens to have a pay-per-view tonight. Uh, I don't think that's what was going on here at all. It sucks for New Japan because they're trying to make the best of a bad situation. They're trying to expand their footprint here in the U.S. And they took a hit. They took a hit on this. They're trying to make the best of a bad situation. But it also sucks for the fans and the people who bought tickets because... They didn't buy tickets in most cases to see, you know, a glorified Ring of Honor show. That's not why they bought tickets. If you're not going to postpone these shows to a later date, I think you should at least offer people the option of a refund. You know, they probably also should have gotten out in front of this and not waited so long to put a statement out, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but those, those people certainly have a right to be upset. Now, if they do shut down the government again in a few weeks, there's at least a chance that it could linger long enough to wreak havoc on that Ring of Honor New Japan uh, Supercard in Madison Square Garden in April, which I think is very unlikely, but it's possible, right? Nobody expected this shutdown, the longest shutdown we've ever had, <laughs> to go on as long as it did. So never say never. We're, we're in this weird period right now where... Uh, conventional wisdom does not apply. Hopefully there's time for New Japan at least to put some sort of contingency in place in the event that that does happen so they don't get caught flat-footed again. But if they were not able, let's say there is a shutdown and it just lingers and lingers and lingers. If they're not able to fly their key talent in for that show, that is going to be a complete disaster. I mean, these shows here are one thing, because they didn't promise big names, and these are kind of small shows and small venues. 
when Madison Square Garden rolls around, if this is an issue and they can't get their people in, that is just a complete and total disaster. So I hope for their sake, and for my sake, since I'm going to the damn show, uh, I hope that does not happen. There was a report in the Sports Business Journal that the XFL is in deep discussions with both Fox and ESPN about broadcast rights for XFL games in 2020. According to the story, some games would also air on ABC if ESPN were to get the rights. Of course, both of them are owned by Disney. Fox, as we all know, is going to become the new home of SmackDown Live later this year, which could give them a leg up on whatever negotiations with McMahon may be going on. What's funny about this is that for all the people, all the jokes that have been made at the expense of the XFL, I've made jokes in the past, other people are still calling it a joke. The funny thing is, they're probably going to end up with a better TV deal than All Elite Wrestling. So, if the XFL gets a really strong TV partner, that's half the battle right there. Then, of course, you got to actually put on some good football games. Uh, but that's half the battle right there. And it looks like, I guess, live sports is a big deal right now, and they're going to be the beneficiary of that, because if they end up on either one of those stations, that's a huge deal. Now, the scary thing, and how this ties into wrestling here in this in this uh, article here, or in the Sports Business Journal, by this guy John uh, Oran, or Auran, however you pronounce his last name, anyway, the, the uh, reporter, made a prediction. And his prediction is that the WWE will add a third hour to SmackDown Live this fall when it moves to Fox. And the way it'll work is the first two hours would air on Fox from 8 to 10. The third hour, I guess because in a a lot of markets at 10 o'clock they have live local news. Uh, Well, I guess, of course it's live. I mean, what else would it be? But like here in New York, for example, 10 o'clock, you got the Fox 5 news at 10. A lot of markets are like that. I don't see that changing. So, the third hour, according to his prediction, would air on FS1. I don't know if this prediction is based on things that he himself is hearing, or if he's just sort of reading through the lines and coming up with this on his own, but my heart sank when I read this because, you know, look, it might mean more money in their pocket. That's why they do these things. That's why we have three hours of Raw instead of two. It might mean more money in their pocket, but my God, the last fucking thing that we need is another three-hour show every single week. Never have I hoped for a prediction to be more wrong than this one. Let me remind you, and I think a lot of people here will agree, NXT is way better than the WWE. NXT. We had a takeover show last night, which I'm going to talk about in a second. I had uh, two notes here from the Go Home NXT show last Wednesday that I did want to mention real quick. Uh, I wanted to praise the tag team match. It was Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch against Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel, the uh, European Union, I believe they call themselves. Uh, I thought that match was great, and I would love to see those two teams work you know, a 15 to 20 minute takeover match. You know, you give those guys an extra 10 minutes to let them go out there and tear the house down. I just thought that was, that was such a fun match to watch and just a taste, I think, of what those two teams could give us uh, on a takeover or a UK takeover. So that's number one. Number two, we had the finish of the show on Wednesday, which was a tease of a possible alliance with Tommaso Ciampa 
and Johnny Gargano, where Gargano was considering it. And then his wife Candace came out and tried to talk some sense into him and pushed him back and said, no, 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 we're not going through this again, get away from him. And that uh, made the finish of last night's show that much more intriguing. And that brings us to NXT TakeOver Phoenix, which was live last night from the Talking Stick. And what it said was, damn, that was a great show. Uh, poll results so far, over 3,500 votes, 77% thumbs up, only 3% thumbs down, 20% of you said that you uh, did not watch. It was not the best TakeOver card that they've done, and yes, they have their formula, but the formula works for them. Never have more than five or six matches, usually five, although there have been shows that have had six before. So it never overstays its welcome. You never feel like, man, when is this show going to end? If anything, it just breezes by. You're like, that's it? Um, They know how to tell proper stories. They give them time to breathe. They give them time to develop. And the action, of course, is is almost always incredible. Uh, If you want great tag team wrestling, you got that. If you want high spots and crazy moves, you got that. It's not just one or the other. So when I hear people give this show a thumbs down, as I did last night, uh, because it's formulaic you know look raw is not a bad show because it's formulaic that's not the reason why raw is a bad show raw is a bad show on most weeks because the formula they happen to use sucks and doesn't get anybody over believe me if these takeover shows were all four hours long you wouldn't have as many people thumbing them up as you do now you they would still largely get thumbs up but it is a lot harder to do a four-hour show without people getting tired or people getting bored than it would be doing a two or a two and a half hour show. The formula still works for them, but to call it a thumbs down show because of that, oh, it's formulaic, I got to give it a thumbs down. To me, that's insane. That's absolutely insane. But again, that was only reserved for the 3%. So it was more than one person, but not a lot of people who said that. But when I heard that, I just couldn't believe it. You could, it's perfectly fine to think, uh, you know, the show's got a formula. I think they should kind of break it up a little bit, maybe do this, do that. But to say the show is a thumbs down show because of that, I don't know what, what those people were watching. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, I got all but one prediction right. Which, which is good. I had Bianca Belair winning by DQ to keep her uh, undefeated streak intact. That didn't happen. Uh, it is interesting. I don't know how many people really actively were noticing this last night, but it is interesting to see these takeover shows completely dominated by outside 
experienced talent. Usually with maybe one homegrown talent on the card. Just to illustrate how far we have strayed from this idea that NXT is a developmental promotion or a developmental territory. You look at those early shows with guys like Tyler Breeze, who spent five years in developmental before he even found himself as that character. Tyler Breeze, Baron Corbin, Elias, Dana Brooke, Nia Jax, American Alpha, right? You look at those early takeover cards, and there were a lot of people on there, even up until just a couple of years ago, who really did not have a career or much of a career on the independent scene. They came to NXT, they just tore them down, built them back up, and you can call them homegrown talent if you want to. It would be accurate to call them that. You look at the War Games show in November, the the takeover before the one from last night, the only quote-unquote homegrown talent, and I know he did work some indies, but you know he did the Tough Enough show, he signed with WWE, and got a completely new character that has just worked for him. The only one on that War Games show that you can call homegrown if you want to was the Velveteen Dream, who wrestled Tommaso Ciampa. On this show last night, the only homegrown name was Bianca Belair. All of the others were made. The War Raiders, Undisputed Era, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, Aleister Black, Ricochet. Uh, Matt Riddle was an independent guy, but a fairly big independent name, I would say. He also worked in Evolve, so I don't call. I wouldn't call him homegrown. Uh, Cassius Ono is another one. He's a, he's a veteran who was on the card last night. Uh, this is obviously why these shows are so good. But a lot of those takeovers, the early ones, they were really good too, even with more of the homegrown names. You just gotta pick your spots and know how to, you know, how to how to use the less experienced people and put them with people who know how to work. I just thought it was interesting how Bianca Belair was the only one on that show last night. Uh, we have the War Raiders against the Undisputed Era for the NXT Tag Team Championship. We have a very cool Viking entrance for the War Raiders here. Uh, made them seem big time. So that was cool. Uh, the finish of the match came. Kyle O'Reilly uh, was laid out with this pop-up running power slam. Roderick Strong was knocked out of the ring. Uh, Hanson, he had kicked out of this big superplex uh, top rope knee drop combo from Undisputed Era. The, you know, when O'Reilly hit that top rope knee, the first person I thought of was Rick Rude. I used to remember Rick Rude using that move in, in a lot of his matches. Uh, in fact, he might have beaten Sting, I think, for the championship over in Japan when they wrestled. I think he might have beat him with the big uh, knee drop off the top rope. That might have been his last match, uh, you know, after he got hurt. Uh, but Hanson kicked out of that. There were a lot of near fall, like some real near falls that the fans totally bought into. And they were going crazy and chanting NXT and this is awesome and all the usual, all the usual chants you would expect from this crowd. Um, but in the end, the War Raiders, they hit the fallout on Kyle O'Reilly and they got the pin and they are the new tag team champions. I thought this was great. I thought this was the second best thing on the entire show and an absolute clinic when it comes to tag team wrestling. You watch a match like this, you listen to that crowd and you wonder how can things be the way they are on the main roster? How can the tag team division on the main roster be in the state that it is in, especially on Monday Night Raw, even more so than SmackDown? How is it possible? How is it possible that the tag team division can be in the shape that it's in when we routinely get tag team matches like this on the on the quote-unquote third brand, third-rate brand, call it whatever you want, 
why do so many NXT teams that thrive here go to Raw and SmackDown to die? And I don't want to hear, well, not everybody who gets over an NXT in front of that audience is going to get over on the main roster. That's true. But that is a bullshit cop-out argument, and I don't want to hear it. Because that would be fine if it applied to one or two teams. This happens all the time. You cannot tell me, you cannot tell me that every single one of these teams is just going to flop on the main roster because there's absolutely nothing about them that that audience is going to like. One or two teams is one thing. Three, four, five teams, it becomes a regular thing. It ain't their fault. There's something else going on here. A healthy, thriving tag team division could be a lot of fun and could add a lot of excitement to those shows. And you want to shake things up? Start with that. Start with the tag team division. We had Matt Riddle and Cassius Ono. This was obviously a step down from that opener, but I think anything in that spot would have been. Uh, this was the weakest match on the entire show. It was it was fine, though, for what it was. I, I didn't really care much for it, but it was fine. Uh, they had uh, Ono gave Riddle a nasty stomp at one point during this match uh, to the mouth that connected a little too well, and he bloodied up Riddle's mouth with it. Uh, they also did the foot spot. Remember, I, ta- I think I talked about this once on the podcast. Ma- a number of years ago, I was at an independent show here in Brooklyn, and there was a match between Tommy Dreamer and Matt Riddle. And Matt Riddle, of course, never wears any shoes. That's just how he wrestles. And there was this one spot where Tommy Dreamer, he took Matt Riddle's foot and he put it in his mouth and he bit down on his foot. And I remember everybody, at least this time, unlike that show that I was at, oh no, this time didn't get the uh, loud chance of you sick fuck the way that uh, Tommy Dreamer did on that show. But I was just waiting. It was only a matter of time before they did that spot. And sure enough, there it was. Uh, Riddle went for a German suplex. Ono was too heavy for him, so Ono stomped on his bare foot. That's the problem when you don't wear shoes. I'm just saying. Uh, Riddle then ended up hitting a German suplex, just muscled him up. Uh, You know, Ono's a big guy, and he just muscled him up, and uh, Riddle ended up just raining blows down upon him at the end, just elbows, and finally Ono just tapped out. He couldn't take it anymore. It was just raining elbows down upon him, and he gave up. And so uh, Matt Riddle has vanquished Cassius Ono, hopefully for the final time. And, uh, you know, my Royal Rumble predictions, I threw Riddle's name out there as a possibility for somebody we could see as an NXT surprise in the Royal Rumble match. Not that they're going to call him up to the main roster, but I think we might see him in the Rumble tonight. Uh, him, him, him and Velveteen Dream, I think, are the two names to watch for tonight. We had Ricochet defending the NXT North American Championship against Johnny Gargano. This was the match of the night. Uh, For the second January in a row, Johnny Gargano delivers. He is your MVP, or in this case, co-MVP. This was a game of one-upsmanship here for much of this match between these two guys. All the crazy counters to the big moves. Uh, Ricochet went for the 630. Gargano was smart enough to roll away slowly, and he rolled outside of the ring. Ricochet looks at this. He says, "Eh, no problem. And he does a running dive out over the ring post. And hits Gargano out on the floor. Uh, Gargano at another point teased doing a draping DDT onto the exposed concrete. He had picked up the ring mats outside. But he had a change of heart, right? Because Johnny Johnny Gargano is not this evil guy at heart. So he's got to think, God, do I really want to do this? And he decides, you know what, I'm not going to do it. And the fans actually booed him for it. 
So that tells you these uh, the, the, these fans of the heels here. It was like Roddy Piper at WrestleMania 8, right? The ref took a bump. Bret Hart is bleeding. He's on his knees. Piper has the ring bell in his hand, and he's got to make a choice. Do I whack this guy, who's a good friend of mine? Do I whack this guy in the head with the ring bell and take the cheap win or not? Now, the Roddy Piper of old in 1985 would have whacked Bret Hart 10 times in the head with that bell. The Roddy Piper in 1992, he decided against it, and what happened? He lost. That's what happens. When you try to be a nice guy, you get fucked. That's a life lesson for you. So in this case, Johnny said, nah, I'm not going to do it. Uh, Thankfully for him, though, he was able to make up for that because later on he decided to go ahead and do it anyway, and he gave Ricochet a brain buster on the exposed concrete. Rolled him back into the ring, hit a slingshot DDT, which Ricochet sold like death, and he got the pin. And Johnny Gargano, for the first time, is a singles champion in NXT. He is the new North American champion. Flashy as Ricochet is, and we know how great he is at what he does. There is nobody who can do many of the things that Ricochet does. Nobody else can do that. We know that. I still think that Johnny Gargano may be the most purely talented performer that they have on any roster. Raw, SmackDown, or NXT. It is insane this guy's body of work and what he is able to do in, in the ring and the way he tells stories just through his facial expressions, his mannerisms. He is just fantastic. And this was just another, hey, if he's if he's making a resume for himself, here's another match to throw on the old resume. We had Bianca Belair, the undefeated Bianca Belair, challenging Shayna Baszler for the NXT Women's Championship. Uh, this was a, I thought this was a good match that I think showed why someone like Bianca Belair is going to benefit and would benefit from spending another year in NXT. You can see Superstar written all over her, but she's not ready yet. Shayna is ready. I expect Shayna to be up on the main roster this year, probably sooner than later. Uh, So when they want her, she'll be ready. Belair, she's not there yet. Uh, They did give her the visual pin, on Shayna, after a ref bump, the other two horsewomen interfered, uh, but they were quickly disposed of. There was one point where Belair used the hair whip. Now, Because earlier in the match, Shayna actually had a pretty clever spot where they're both outside by the ring post. She grabbed a hold of that long braid from Bianca's head and pulled her forward like a tug-of-war and pulled her face first right into the post. It's like when uh, IRS used to wear the tie and people would grab it and they would choke him with it. <laughs> Gorilla Monsoon would be like, that's what he gets. That's what he gets for wearing a tie. Well, that's also the downfall of having a long uh, braid like that, is that other people can use it against it. That thing's got a life of its own. That thing scares the shit out of me. It's like something out of the thing. Like if it detached from her head, I feel like it would just kind of scurry off. It's a long braid. But she was able to uh, get a hair whip in on, on Shayna late in the match. And if you look, it caused a really nasty cut on uh, Shayna's abdomen. Uh, Baszler locked in the Kirafuda clutch. Belair strong-armed her way out of it, powered her way, muscled her way out of it the first time. Uh, Very impressive. The second time, though, she tried and she tried and she fought back up to her feet, reached for the ropes, and just collapsed. And in the end, she went out like a light. Referee called for the bell. Bianca Belair is undefeated no longer, which I don't have a problem with. I know some people were bothered by that. Why beat her? Why end the streak? Not everybody needs a streak. You know what I mean? Like, I know she kind of incorporated it into her gimmick, but not everybody has to go on an undefeated streak for a year. 
If everybody goes on an undefeated streak for a year, after a while, it doesn't mean anything. So she lost. She put up a great fight. They made her look great. I thought they made her look as strong as she could possibly look here without actually winning the match. She didn't tap out. She passed out. So I thought this was good. Main event was Tommaso Ciampa defending the NXT Championship against the former champion Aleister Black. This was very good. I have uh, seen better matches involving both of these guys. It it wasn't even the best match on this show, uh, but it was still very good. I I thought that it was the third best, actually, uh, after that tag team match. Champa worked over Black's knee for a good part of this match. Uh, Champa pulled up the mats outside to expose the concrete, much the way Johnny Gargano did earlier in the show. Uh, but he did not have a chance to actually use it, unlike uh, Johnny. Black hit a black mass kick in the ring, but was too slow to cover Champa in time for the three count. Champa hit his finish four times in this match. Talk about just abusing a finish. Four fairy tale endings it took for him to finally pin Aleister Black. And I I did love the spot where before the last one, Black tried one last time for a black mass kick, but his knee gave out. He he got halfway through the motion and he shrieked in pain and couldn't do it. And that's when Champa hit his finish one last time and got the pin. relatively clean pin too, uh, is what uh, Champa got here. So then Johnny Gargano, as they're going off the air, this is kind of their trademark thing, right? We see either Gargano or Champa on screen. The little copyright box comes out, but the show ain't over. So as Champa's posing with the championship in the aisleway, here comes Johnny Gargano. He's got his North American title. Champa has his NXT title. And they both hold the titles up high. And that's how they went off the air. I did briefly think that we were going to get a recreation of the, of the uh, spot they did when uh, Champa turned on Gargano where Gargano was going to grab him and throw him into the LED boards, but we didn't get that. And it just makes things very interesting now, because there's a couple of different options they have here. Are we going to get a heel DIY reunion for a while? I mean, they could do it for maybe a month. I don't really see it going on for that long. Or is Candice going to convince her husband, try to talk some sense into him, and convince him that Champa is the enemy here, and you need to go for revenge one last time? And they do a winner-take-all match at the next TakeOver show in Brooklyn for both championships. And that can be where Johnny Gargano finally gets his big crowning moment and wins the NXT championship. And then they could always pull, you know, what they did at WrestleMania six, where, okay, you can't defend both belts and, you know, the North American title is vacated and put up at a tournament or something. But, you know, I think we're headed for winner-take-all for both championships WrestleMania weekend. And if so... You know, what a story. Talk about long-term stories being told in this company here. You know, Gargano did uh, go heel. They'd have to find a way to get him back to a place where everybody knows that the old Johnny Gargano is back and you've got to cheer for him and get behind him. But, you know, think how far back this story goes now, well over a year. And and to think that this is what it looks like they've been building to, unless I'm way off here, this sure does look like this is going to be the main event of that TakeOver show. And that has to be where Gargano gets his big crowning moment. You know, he's never been the NXT champion before. Champa was able to just fuck this guy over so many times. At some point, you've got to get revenge. Uh, and Johnny Gargano, I think, is a better babyface than he is. Uh, I mean, he, he's good whatever role they have him in. But he is just the quintessential babyface. It would be a shame for him to eventually get called up to 205 Live, let's say. Uh, I know I just freaked people out by saying that. But 
You know damn well that's a possibility that's where he's headed eventually. Uh, but it would be a damn shame for him to get called up without ever having that one... I mean, he won the North American title on this show, but still, he never really had that one big crowning moment where he got his revenge on Champa and he finally won the big one. And if ever there was a place for it to happen, it's WrestleMania weekend. If you have questions for the mailbag, you can email them to me, thesolomonster at gmail.com. Please include your name and where you are from when you write in. It was the tale of two emails this weekend that I received on the same day on Wednesday. You already heard the first one at the top of the show. A prime example of what happens when two members of the same family sleep together and binge on crack cocaine. This one, however, uh, really did put a smile on my face uh, as I was reading it, and I wanted to share it with all of you. It comes from Mike in Mount Pocono, Pennsylvania. Just wanted to drop you a line about Mama Monster and yourself. I've been listening for two to three years now and really enjoy your show, so much so that when I'm making Sunday dinner for my family, it is to your podcast. When you had the Mother's Day episode with her, it was one of my favorites across all the podcasts that I listened to. When she passed, I took several minutes to myself and thought about if there was anything I could do to help anybody with cancer. I don't have a lot of money, but I decided to join the National Bone Marrow Registry so I could do something. This week, I received my membership card, and when I opened it, I knew that it was a positive step for somebody who might be ailing, and it was a step I took in honor of Mama Monster and yourself for becoming part of my own family's weekend tradition. Thanks so much for everything that you do. And in his email, uh, Mike attached a photo of his membership card. To see something like that is so cool. And a bone marrow biopsy, which when you have your bone marrow uh, tested, is something you have to go through. I will tell you that a bone marrow biopsy is not a pleasant experience. Uh, I've had them done before. It's not what I would call fun, but it's it's doable. It, it's fine. And you can literally help save a life. So the website to go to if you want to do what Mike did here and join that registry is bethematch.org. Bethematch.org is the place to go to learn more and to sign up. And again, my thanks to Mike. I had a few people ask me about the GameSpot article with the headline, Let's Be Honest, WWE's Attitude Era is Kind of Terrible which is just the clickbaitiest of clickbaity articles. So naturally, I clicked on it. Uh, this writer, Chris Hayner, is his name. He makes the case, his case, about how awful the Attitude Era was and how it does not hold up. And he mentions beaver cleavage. He mentions choppy choppy your pee-pee and Katie Vick, which... It's a funny thing. I don't consider Katie Vick to be part of the Attitude Era, even though I guess I guess it kind of was. But in, like in my brain, when I classify these different time periods in WWE, I don't associate that with the Attitude Era. You know, but again, 2002 to me, and that was late 2002, almost 03 at that point. To me, that's not the Attitude Era. In my mind, the Attitude Era died the moment that Stone Cold shook hands with Vince McMahon at WrestleMania 17. That is the day that Attitude died. Then came the Invasion Era, and then people have, you know, Ruthless Aggression, but then there's sort of a gap in the middle, and people have different names for these different 
uh, and I've ranked them before, actually. I've, I've told, you know, what I think each era is and how long they go for. And uh, I don't, I don't know. It's just I have, I don't really look at it as sort of attitude proper, if that makes, if that makes any sense. But again, every person will classify things differently. The point is, he highlighted all of the lowlights of the attitude era. And said nothing about all of the positives, like the stars that were created during that time period, because uh, in part they had a lot more freedom than they do today. Uh, The rise of certain characters that were so important, like the Mr. McMahon character, The Rock, yeah, Stone Cold obviously, but the Undertaker and Kane storyline, which at least at first was this this great storyline, and it created this long-lasting legendary character in Kane. Triple H's rise and his feud with Cactus Jack. Uh, he was really bothered. It sounded like this guy was also really bothered mostly by the company's treatment of women uh, during this period. And look, he's not wrong. There were a lot of very cringeworthy moments during that era. Trish Stratus on all fours, barking like a dog. I don't know what WWE did, but there must have been some something that happened a number of years ago where they have all but wiped, or at least at one point they did, all but wipe that clip off of the internet. Now, I'm sure you can still find it on Raw, on the network, I I would think so. And maybe other people have uploaded it to Daily Motion since then or whatever, but there was a period where you couldn't even find that online. This company was running as far from that clip as they possibly could because it was an embarrassment. It was an embarrassment then, and it's an embarrassment today. I will, I will absolutely 100% agree with you on that. You know, and then all those other moments of Vince McMahon sticking his tongue down half the women's throats on the roster. But to paint that era with a broad brush and say that it was a pretty terrible because of a few really dumb, stupid characters, and because the work rate isn't what it is today. Yes, if you're going to compare the Attitude Era work rate-wise to the era of today... There is far more of a focus and a reliance on the in-ring aspect now than there was then. Because back then, I mean, those guys could work, but those, it was more character driven. It was more character and storyline driven. And in large part because there was a wrestling war going on during much of that period, which it seems like now things are bubbling up and who knows what's, what the landscape is going to look like three years from now, but there's hardly been much in the way of real competition, uh, certainly not, not on Monday nights for WWE, in many, many years. So what happens? They rest on their laurels and they can afford to be more conservative in their approach and, and just rule with an iron fist and do things the way they want to do and script everything to the point of just nausea. But back then, you know, you were fighting fire with fire and whatever the competition was doing, we had to one-up them and we had to be able to do it better and we had to put on a product that was going to keep people from changing the channel. You know, and so they, yeah, they were hot-shotting title matches, and they were hot-shotting pay-per-view matches on free TV, and throwing shit at the wall to see what sticks. Um, But to compare the two, well, the Attitude Era sucked, because now the matches today are, you know, they're they're just so much better. Look, 18-year-old me, 18-year-old Solomonster, okay, was not much bothered by the work rate. I just wanted to go to the shows and have fun. Or watch them on television and just be entertained. The character development back then as compared to now, the promos back then as compared to now, 
it was way more character driven. I miss that. That's one of the things that is really missing from WWE today. I heard Sheamus talk about this recently. Of all people, Sheamus did an interview and he was talking, I miss characters. He was talking about the importance of having characters on these shows. I miss that. And don't get me started on the overly scripted promos. But, you know, the author here says he would much rather take the man Becky Lynch and the new Daniel Bryan over the Attitude Era stuff. Look, I like Becky Lynch and I like evil environmentalist Daniel Bryan. But I, because he's a character, right? He's a character that I, I guarantee you, a lot of what he says is just mirroring what he thinks in real life. But still, he's playing up a character. That's the sort of thing I miss. He's been giving interviews all week long in Phoenix, leading up to the pay-per-view tonight, in character, mostly. And it's been entertaining as all hell. He has to stop himself in most of these interviews at the end from cracking up on screen. He's having fun with it. I miss that. We don't see enough of that now. Especially out in public. When they're out giving media interviews like this. They're all very buttoned up and very conservative in the company and be a star and all. I enjoy this. I enjoy Daniel Bryan ragging on this this dumbass reporter for talking about some stupid hamburger. And going after him and, and going after Chase Field. You know, I enjoy that. But I scroll down to the end of his article. So I read through this entire thing and I get to the very end of the article. And I see this line. Today's wrestling product... Not just in WWE, but in companies like Ring of Honor and the newly announced All Elite Wrestling flies high above what fans were given on a weekly basis during the Attitude Era. Are you kidding me? He cites All Elite Wrestling? All Elite Wrestling has yet to run a single show. They don't even have a TV deal yet. They don't have a TV show. (laughs) But somehow it flies high above the Attitude Era. And this is a great example of what I have been saying about people who take it too far with the hyperbole and just all the hype around this thing. What's going to end up happening is you're going to turn people against the product. You're going to kill AEW before it even has a chance to grow by saying stupid things like this. They don't even have a full roster yet. They haven't promoted a single match. Yet it flies above the Attitude Era. What an insanely stupid thing to say. I got almost all the way through and then I hit that line and it was like a ton of bricks just completely fell on my head. And I felt dumber for having read that part. And he finished the the thing at the end. He said, you know, to put it simply, I'd rather watch just about any era of WWE than live through the Attitude Era again. So that's, that's that's the big statement, the big opinion that he ends on. I will happily take a two hour Attitude Era Raw with a bunch of short crappy matches over a three hour Groundhog Day rerun of Monday Night Raw. And I say that as somebody who does appreciate work rate a lot more now than I did when I was younger. When you're a kid, I mean, honestly, how many kids care about that? When you were a kid, what do you remember? Think back hard. When you were a WWF fan, when you were an NWA fan, 
What do you remember? If you were an NWA fan, you probably remember the Road Warriors and Sting and the Four Horsemen and Dusty Rhodes and all those great promos or the, you know, beating down Dusty, certain angles like that and injuries that you remember. You're not thinking to yourself, boy, I remember you know, that match between Sting and Ric Flair and what a, what a great technical wrestling match that was. I think back to my childhood, I'd think of Hulk Hogan and the Macho Man and, and the Million Dollar Man kicking a kid's basketball away from him. You know, Andre the Giant beating Hogan for the championship with this horrible, I mean, even as a kid I knew it was horrible, horrible looking uh, hip toss or whatever the hell it was that he was trying to do. The evil Hebner twin angle and, and you know, the mega powers and the ultimate warrior and his insane promos and the colorful characters and the colorful attire, you know... Those are the memories that I have that got me hooked on wrestling in the first place. Now, as you get older and you mature and you age, I think you come to appreciate the actual work more. You know, if the great Kali came back to WWE today, I have no interest in seeing him in the ring wrestling. But if there's some little, you know, five-year-old kid in the front row, he's probably looking up thinking, wow, look how big this guy is. Of course, the problem is that kids are only a small part of the audience now. This, This is the weird thing about WWE that the large majority of their viewing audience is actually a lot older than I think it's ever been before. <laughs> so you could say, oh, they cater to kids. Yeah, the problem is, though, those kids are just like a small portion of their actual audience. But, you know, based on, on the numbers lately, I don't get the sense that people are very sports entertained. I'm glad he is. But I pose that question to all of you. Not, not is the Attitude Era overrated? I think every era, to an extent, is overrated. And the Attitude Era is overrated in, in some ways. That's not the question I pose to you. The question I pose to you is, is the Attitude Era the worst era of all the eras in WWE history? Maybe, maybe, maybe people are in agreement. Maybe it's not such a crazy statement. But the thing that got me was that All Elite line. Like, I want All Elite to succeed. I look forward to their first show, and and I hope they do well. But boy, was that an insanely stupid line to put in the middle of that article. Holy shit. Jordan, in Washington, D.C., what do you think of WWE possibly giving us dual Rumble winners like Bret Hart and Lex Luger in 94, only this time with Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre? I know you aren't into triple threats as a WrestleMania main event, but I think Lesnar versus Rollins versus McIntyre could be a show stealer. To me, both of these guys have been the only bright spot on Monday Night Raw over the past year, and I feel each should be rewarded. I think I agree in that they have been two of the uh, brighter spots on the show, and I think McIntyre could could be a big player. And they have, yeah, they've protected him enough. If, if you really think about it, he hasn't really gotten that many huge wins on TV. He's beaten Dolph Ziggler, but who else has he really beat? Um, but they protected him more than they would protect most. And I think that he could go on to, you know, bigger things. Him co-winning the Rumble with Rollins, absolutely not. I do not want to see. I don't want to see co-winners at all. But that idea just does not do anything for me at all. As far as a triple threat at Mania, you said it yourself. I'm not a huge fan of doing that. It would take the right people to do it. I don't like that combination. I, I think it could be a good match, but as a WrestleMania championship main event match, I, I don't want to see that. Uh, David from Tampa, buy or sell on which number 30 swerve you would rather see this weekend? Braun Strowman attacks R-Truth, takes the number 30 spot in the men's rumble. 
and dominates the match, only to be eliminated at the end by Seth Rollins, who challenges Brock Lesnar. Or, for what happened to TLC, Nia Jax cost Becky Lynch her title match earlier in the night against Asuka. Becky then attacks Carmella, steals the number 30 spot in the Women's Rumble, and wins, last eliminating Nia Jax, and she then challenges Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. Of those two scenarios, uh, I like the second one better. So I will buy on the Becky scenario, and I will sell on the Braun Strowman scenario. I, to me, it doesn't it doesn't need to come down to Strowman and and Rollins. Uh, whereas I think if it comes down to Becky and Charlotte, if it comes down to Becky and Nia with her getting the ultimate revenge on Nia and just finally dumping her ass out of there. Uh, I think that would be a fine finish. So I will buy on that one and uh, sell on the on the men's uh, scenario. Will from Pittsburgh, in all of this buzz around which wrestlers could go to AEW, what are your thoughts on the top non-wrestlers who would be beneficial? I would say Jim Johnston, if he was interested in still working, since an identifiable and memorable entrance is an often overlooked ingredient in making a star wrestler. Jim Johnston is undeniably the best at that. What are your thoughts? I think that would be a fantastic idea. I think a lot of these WWE themes now, some of them are good, but a lot lot of them just lack the personality that those old themes that didn't necessarily have lyrics, a lot of them were instrumental, some of them weren't, but they had a personality. There was a distinctive personality that I think is really missing uh, in a lot of the music that we have today. And Jim Johnston is a very talented guy, and I think that if AEW wanted to bring him on in and have him work on that aspect of things for their uh, people, I can't imagine that would be a terrible thing. I think that would be a great idea. Now, is he interested in that? I have no idea. I I don't know if he's interested in getting back into wrestling or working for anybody else, but I think if they could make it worth his while and give him the freedom and the autonomy like he used to have to just, you know, go in his studio and and just create music for these guys, I think that would be a great idea. Nick from Chicago. I'm listening to the recent 83 weeks with Eric Bischoff, and he mentions how he would never go to another wrestler's funeral after what happened with Rick Rude. Do you have any insight on what happened at Rick Rude's funeral with Bischoff? On the same episode, he also mentions the Lloyds of London. Any backstory on either would be appreciated. Well, what happened is, because both the Observer and the Torch way back when reported on this at the time, is that Bischoff showed up to the service with his wife. And Rude's mother basically uh, kicked them out. I don't know that she made a big scene of it, but she basically said, you've got to leave. She asked them to leave. And they left quietly. It's understandable that she would be emotional about it because... Rick Rude had sued WCW in the mid-90s. He got hurt in 94, suffered the back injury, couldn't wrestle anymore. He sued WCW. I think he might have actually sued Sting personally as well. There was some heat there for a while between them, but he sued WCW. And that litigation, which I'm sure was very stressful and very costly for him, uh, lasted years until he came back to WCW after the Montreal Screwjob, and they... They paid him a nice little bonus, which uh, effectively served as a settlement for the lawsuit. That's the most likely explanation for why Bischoff was not wanted at the funeral. 
Uh, he was, you know, one of the head guys in WCW at the time that that litigation would have been ongoing. Uh, so I think that's the most likely uh, explanation here. There were reports not long before he passed away uh, that Root had tried to get WCW to pay off the remainder of his Lloyds of London insurance policy so that he could wrestle again. I mean, it's no secret he wanted to wrestle. He was training for a comeback to wrestling. He wanted WCW to pay off the remainder of the policy uh, because so long as he was being paid under the policy, he was not allowed to wrestle. And he wanted to wrestle. Uh, he had gotten the policy after he was forced into retirement uh, from the from the back injury. A lot of guys got some really big payouts from Lloyd's uh, back then after being hurt, uh, which is why Lloyd's is no longer insuring pro wrestlers anymore. I guess they figured, hey, your wrestling's fake. It's entertainment, so the risk is low, right, of having to pay out big money uh, for injuries. They got smartened up real quick. Uh, I know Kurt Hennig had a policy. Road Warrior Animal had a policy. Uh, Bret Hart. Bret Hart was another one. If you remember, they caused a whole stink about Brett doing anything physical when he came back to WWE and he was going to wrestle Vince McMahon at WrestleMania uh, because Brett had sued them. He had sued Lloyds of London many years earlier when they stonewalled him on paying out his disability uh, claim from the concussion that ended his career. He had that match with Goldberg. He got kicked in the head, had the concussions, had to retire. Uh, I guess they felt like a lot of wrestlers many years earlier had exaggerated their injuries and made them out to be more seriously, you know, or more, more serious than they really were. And I'm sure guys abused it. I'm, I'm sure there was some of that going on. <clears throat> so they gave Brett a hard time. He sued them. It took five years, but he settled out of court with them and finally got his money. But when they found out many years later that, hey, this guy's going to wrestle again, they raised the stink. And WWE squashed it pretty quickly. They made it go away. Uh, anyway, Bischoff, I think Bischoff's reasoning for that, for not paying off uh, Lloyd's, was that he couldn't do that. He just could, he couldn't do it. And that didn't sit well with Root either. So that could have been a source of heat as well. Uh, Bischoff, I, I don't know what he says about it these days. I take it from your question that he didn't say much on his podcast about what happened at Root's funeral. In the past, when he's been asked about this, he acts like he doesn't even remember. He's like, oh, I don't know. Like, he conveniently doesn't remember. If I was asked to leave somebody's funeral or felt like I wasn't wanted and I actually felt like I had to get up and take my wife and leave, I don't think that's something I would forget. So I don't buy this whole thing. Oh, Bischoff, my memory is foggy. I don't really remember what happened. I don't buy that for a second. I think he knows exactly what happened. And uh, and that's the most likely explanation for why. Dylan from Arkansas, if you could travel back in time and be in attendance for one particular moment or show in history... What would that be and why? For a moment, it would be Hogan slamming Andre at the Silver Dome. WrestleMania 3. For a show, it's got to be that first one-night stand pay-per-view in 2005. That, that show was at the Hammerstein in Manhattan. I work in Manhattan, then and now, and I still beat myself up for not going. I, I don't know why I didn't go. You know, just for that Enter Sandman entrance alone, which they've uh, edited off the uh, the network. But uh, just for that alone, man, what a blast that would have been to be in the building that night. It's time to rumble! It's time for the Royal Rumble! We have come to the end of our journey. Ten weeks. 
counting down the top 10 greatest championship matches in Royal Rumble history. You knew this day would come. I've enjoyed this. I, I enjoyed going back and re-watching all of these matches. I hope you guys have too. Uh, last week, number two was the street fight from Royal Rumble 2000 between Triple H and Cactus Jack for the WWF title. Before I reveal the greatest title match in Royal Rumble history, I've got some honorable mentions to get out of the way here. Six of them, in fact, uh, that I think are worth a look, but just did not make the top ten. The Jumping Bomb Angels and the Glamour Girls had a tag team match for the Women's Tag Team Championship at the first Royal Rumble show that aired on USA Network back in 1988. Uh, It holds up. It's a pretty good tag team match. The Jumping Bomb Angels were awesome. I don't think they get enough attention and credit. Uh, Frankly, I think they would be a worthy induction into the WWE Hall of Fame for their complete body of work, not just the the matches they had in WWE. Uh, But this is a really good match. Uh, where they won the titles, and and I would absolutely recommend that you go back and give it a watch. That's from 88. Bret Hart and Razor Ramon, they had a WWF Championship match from the Royal Rumble in 1993. Uh, A very good match. This was very early in Razor's run in the company. In fact, he'd only debuted on television a few months earlier, in the uh, late summer, early fall. Uh, I think it was probably September, August or September of 1992. By November, he was teaming up with Ric Flair at Survivor Series, wrestling Mr. Perfect and the Macho Man. And here he is at the Rumble, challenging for the championship. Uh, So it's pretty remarkable to see how quickly Razor ascended. I mean, he never did end up becoming champion, but he was a headline guy there at the very beginning of his run and then settled into more of kind of a mid-to-upper-mid-card role uh, for the rest of his time there. But this was a very good match. I think Razor had a knee injury uh, in real life, coming into this match, uh, I think they incorporated it in, into the match, and Brett, you know, won with the sharpshooter, but I thought, this is a pretty good match that these two had. They worked again together at the King of the Ring in 93. They had the uh, opening round match together. Bret Hart and Diesel for the WWF Championship, Royal Rumble 1995. I always, when I would rank the matches that these two had, would put this of the three in the number three spot. My favorite of the matches between them was Survivor Series in 95, where Brett won the title and Diesel turned heel when the match was over. His year-long reign came to an end. The match they had at the King of the Ring in 94, uh, I thought was very good, and I would always put this at number three. I still think that order would probably hold for me. I don't think it changes the order for me, but this match was better than I remember it being when I went back and watched it. Uh, It is a long match. They have some fuckery with the finish that I wasn't really a fan of. A lot of interference, an indecisive winner. When you have a long match like that and it gets fucked in the end like like that, it's just, you know, I'm not a big fan of that. As a match, though, it was better than I remember it being. Shawn Michaels and Triple H. Last man standing for the World Heavyweight Championship 2004. Uh, I'm going to be fair about this because I do think it deserves an honorable mention. I think that they had a good match. I just personally have never been a big fan of this match. I was a big fan of the match they had on Raw in December of 03 for the World Heavyweight Championship. I was a big fan of when Sean first came back in 02. And they had that street fight at SummerSlam. Great match. This match, I just thought it was it was sort of plotting and just... I don't know, it never got into that next gear for me. 
they were both a bloody mess when this was over. I mean, they really tried to make this out to be like a war. It never really felt like that to me, though. So I think it deserves a mention, but I just personally have never been a huge fan of this match. Edge and Dolph Ziggler for the World Heavyweight Championship Royal Rumble 2011. Uh, This was the one where if Edge used the spear, he would lose the championship. They were out there for 20 minutes, opening the show. They had a great match. This was a great match, and one that I think gets overlooked a lot, uh, but is worth going out of your way to see. And finally, Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens for the Universal Championship Royal Rumble 2017 at the Alamo Dome. I did mention the AJ Styles-John Cena match. It was in our countdown. I think I had it. What, I have it number seven, I think, right? Number seven or eight. Uh, And I considered putting this match in the top ten. I just didn't have room for it. Had I done the top 11, (laughs) this probably would have made the list at number 11. This is a really good match. Kevin Owens took some big bumps in this match. Uh, Roman held up his end. He's had a lot of quality pay-per-view matches himself. And I just thought they had a great match together. Uh, where Owens, in the end, retained the Universal title. This is the one where Jericho, uh, his best friend, was up in a shark cage above the ring. Braun Strowman got involved for the finish. So that would be my uh, roll call there of honorable mentions for you to go back and watch. Fell just just short, I think, of qualifying for the top ten. Two years ago, WWE.com put together a list called The 100 Best Matches You Need to See Before You Die. The only criteria was that it had to be a match that was available on the WWE Network. And we make fun of those dumb Instagram lists that they publish. And even the website, you know, WWE.com, they've done some lists that I don't agree with. Or they rank things a certain way just to stir people up and get them talking. But this was a pretty good list that they put together, I will say. And on that list, they ranked the 1992 Royal Rumble match at number 22 out of 100 matches all time. And as Royal Rumble pay-per-views go, it was the highest ranking for any Royal Rumble pay-per-view match anywhere on that list. So in their eyes, it was the greatest Royal Rumble match of any kind, all time. Finally, a ranking I can agree with. The number one match in our countdown, I know a lot of you saw this coming, is indeed the 30-man Royal Rumble match for the vacant WWE Championship from January 19th, 1992. I know you've heard me talk about this match over the years to the point of madness. I've probably, I've probably John Cena'd this match or Roman reigns this match uh, for some of you. I've turned it heel by uh, shoving it down your throats. But it's Royal Rumble weekend, right? If ever there was a time to talk about this match, this feels like an appropriate time. Uh, this is a match that has huge replay value for me even to this day. Long as it is, it's an hour-long match. I try to watch it at least once a year. And there's so many things to like about this match. Ric Flair being brought into the company and immediately being vaulted to the top in an all-time great performance. The sheer star power that they had in this match. The Legends and the Hall of Famers. 16 WWE Hall of Famers. If you count the two announcers, that number rises to 18 Hall of Famers. 
eight former WWE champions, names like Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, Macho Man Randy Savage, Roddy Piper, Sid Justice, Sergeant Slaughter, The Undertaker, The Million Dollar Man, Jake the Snake, Kerry Von Erich, who was a bigger star outside of WWE than he was in it, but still, you know, he, he at least he was the Intercontinental Champion for a few months. Uh, seeing a young Shawn Michaels in there, mixing it up with, with some of those guys. You have the announcing, you have the storytelling, the Hulk who sign in the crowd, which still cracks me up to this day. Uh, Jack Tunney, the president, the on-screen president of the WWF, clearly forgetting the name of the event as he is standing in the ring before the match, giving a little speech. Uh, go back and watch it. I guarantee you, he forgot. He has that one moment where he's talking about the uh, the event. He's got Royal Rumble banners hanging from the ceilings, and he kind of pauses and says, uh, "The winner of this uh, the event." <laughs> uh, there's just so much to unpack here. So, why this championship match? Right? Why was this a a championship match in the first place? There had been four televised rumbles before this one. Why was this match contested for the WWF title? Well, for starters, Ric Flair had a falling out with Jim Hurd, Pizza Boy, in WCW. He wanted to give Flair a pay cut. He thought he was too old. He wanted him to change his appearance and call him Spartacus and put an earring in his ear. They butted heads and Hurd fired him. But he fired him either not realizing or not caring because he wasn't a wrestling guy that Flair had put down a deposit on the big gold belt. That's how it worked with the NWA back in the day. You would put a $10,000 or or $25,000 deposit on the physical championship belt. And until he was paid back his deposit, he wasn't giving that belt back to them. He picked up the phone. The first thing he did was he called Vince McMahon. There was a time, I want to say back in 88, where Flair, I believe, talked to McMahon and there was a chance that Ric Flair was going to make the jump over to WWE and he didn't. So they had known each other before. They had spoken before. He called Vince McMahon and said, hey, guess what? I'm available and I've got this belt with me. So they made a deal. And that's when we started seeing Bobby Heenan on the syndicated shows. Uh, he would do commentary and he would hold the big gold belt in his hand. Now, how weird would that have been, do you think, as an NWA fan back then to put on WWF superstars and see Bobby Heenan holding up the big gold belt? That was a huge deal back then. And that built up over a period of weeks to Ric Flair making his debut. Now, right out of the gate, Flair's feuding with two of the biggest stars in the company. He's going around calling himself, I'm the real world's champion, not Hulk Hogan. He's a fraud. He's picking on Hogan. He's picking fights with Rowdy Roddy Piper. Of course, Flair and Piper have a history going back to the Carolinas in the 80s. And even earlier than that, probably back to the 70s. In Portland. So... Two singles matches that we never got to see in WWE, save for some Madison Square Garden matches that uh, that they had. But we never got a proper program in the company between Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan, or Ric Flair and Roddy Piper. So then comes Survivor Series 91. Flair captained his own team. We had a singles match, the Gravest Challenge. Hulk Hogan defending the championship against The Undertaker. There was something different about Hogan starting with this show. There was a period here where the people started to get a little sick and tired of the Hulk up and Hulkamania and say your prayers and eat your vitamins. And this is the show where I think things began to turn. I think you had people who thought The Undertaker is just this cool character. He got a lot of cheers. Hogan got cheers, but he also got booze. 
I think Survivor Series 91 is where things really, for him, started to turn. They did the controversial finish. Flair slid the chair into the ring. Undertaker tombstone Hogan on the chair. And won the championship. About a week later, 10 days later, they have this experiment that they're going to try here. This rare Tuesday pay-per-view called Tuesday in Texas. This Tuesday in Texas. Hogan opens the urn. He throws a handful of ashes in the Undertaker's eyes. Rolls him up. Pins him. Wins back the championship. Jack Tunney is ringside for this. He got bumped. So he didn't really see what happened. Ends up stripping Hogan of the championship a few weeks later. And declares the title vacant. And says that it will be decided in the Royal Rumble match. We will crown a new WWF champion. The first time that that championship has ever been contested in a Royal Rumble match. Uh, And really 2016 is the only other time. It was that sort of gap between the 92 Rumble and the 2016 Rumble. It had been that long since the championship was actually up for grabs in the Royal Rumble match. We get to the match. Flair enters at number three. And Bobby Heenan on commentary has a total meltdown. Now the irony of this is that in his first book, Heenan claims that the idea for Flair to go the distance was one that he himself pitched. The only difference is he pitched it as Flair entering at number one and going all the way to the end. He says, in the end, Vince McMahon made the choice to go and have Flair come out at number three because he wanted it to be his idea. So that's why we got Flair coming out at number three and not at number one. Gorilla Monsoon points out as Flair comes out, he goes, never in the history of the Royal Rumble has anyone who's entered numbers one through five been there at the end. It was Rick Martel who entered at number six the year before. He set the all-time record of 52 minutes in, in a Rumble match. So that's why he said numbers one through five, uh, because Martel had set the record at number six. Flair broke that record here in this match. He set the new record of 59 minutes, which has since been uh, beaten, I think, by Rey Mysterio and maybe some other people. But at the time, that was the record. And unlike Mysterio, by the way, in that 2006 Rumble match, Flair didn't just lay on the floor for half of it. So just saying, all you uh, all you Ray fans out there. This was a, uh, a far more impressive performance here. But the commentary from Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan, I mean, you look, anybody who's ever watched this show knows, how, or any shows that those two were on, knows the chemistry between those two. They are the best announced duo, the best combo in WWE history. Uh, they will never be beaten. They will never be topped. There will never be another duo that's even allowed to do the things that these guys did and just have that kind of of chemistry where they can just bounce off each other so effortlessly and be genuinely laugh out loud funny as they were many times on primetime wrestling and the skits they did uh there just will never be another combination like that this together was their best night this was bobby heenan's greatest performance greatest single performance as an announcer in the booth and some of the lines, the one-liners that he had, I jotted a whole bunch of them down, and I, the ones that I remember, and uh, I'm sure I'm missing a whole bunch of them, but uh, even before the match starts, I mentioned Jack Tunney out there, right? Doesn't even remember what the name of the event is. Jack Tunney is out there. Heenan calls him the best president since Noriega, which I wonder how many younger people listening to this will get that reference, but that's what, uh, that's what Wikipedia is for. Uh, Flair draws number three. 
He comes out. Heenan has a meltdown. That's where the whole it's not fair to Flair thing started. We heard that multiple times in this match. It's not fair to Flair. There's another point where Heenan is losing his mind. And he's trying to take his mind off things. So he just he just goes, tremendous camera work. He goes, I got to keep my mind off this and think about other things. He's complimenting the camera guy. And he's losing his mind. Virgil. Virgil enters at number 23. He says, imagine all the bags that he has had time to go through in the back. Of course, Monsoon said, oh, will you stop? Uh, there's another point in the match where Flair gives the British Bulldog a low blow. And Heenan says, I'd do that to my grandmother if I had to. Uh, the Barbarian. Barbarian came into the Royal Rumble match. And the Barbarian doesn't like anybody. Heenan is talking about him. And he says, when I managed him, he barely liked me. He goes, why do you think they call him the Barbarian? He's not a hairdresser on his day off. There's another point where Flair is still hanging in there. He is hanging in there and Heenan just goes, just please let him win the title. I'm just, I'm sorry for everything. He's begging to God now. I'm sorry for everything I've ever done. Everything I've ever said. I will never again say anything bad about anybody. Just let Flair win this match. I'll be a different person. I promise you. I could just picture him in the booth on his hands and knees. Uh, of course, we had Heenan's celebration at the finish of the match, and and his work here will just never be duplicated. Uh, he was the best in the color role. And yeah, as the years went on and in his days in WCW, he wasn't the same guy. I get the sense that there were many years there in WCW where he just did not care. And there's always been stories and rumors about him drinking during the shows. I mean, you watch some of those WCW shows, you'd be drinking too. So he did fall off. You know, towards the end. But when he was in his prime, like in this role, there was nobody better. And it is a cruel irony. I've always said this. It is a cruel irony that for someone who made his money with his mouth as a manager and then as an announcer. Because he wrestled, but nobody remembers Bobby Heenan the wrestler. They remember Bobby Heenan as a manager and they remember Bobby Heenan as an announcer. As a commentator. And for somebody who made his money with his mouth... The fact that cancer robbed him of that voice, of all the cancers and illnesses for him to, to to come down with, for it to be that, to rob him of his voice. I, I like a lot of you, were very excited when a few years ago we thought that Bobby Heenan had opened a Twitter account. Remember that whole fiasco? So for a while there, it was at least a few days, if not a week went by, he's on Twitter, he's answering fan questions wrestlers are, re- are like retweeting, hey, follow Bobby Heenan, he's finally on Twitter, and everybody's all excited. And then finally, somebody got to his wife, his wife is not on Twitter, they got to his wife and said, hey, is Bobby on Twitter? Is this his real account? And she said, no, we don't know anything about this. It's someone who is impersonating him. It's a hoax. And everybody was just completely deflated. May the person who did that, by the way, hear Brie mode on a loop in their head until the day they die. A uh, few other notes here from this match uh, that you may or may not know. There was uh, an incident that took place a few weeks before this pay-per-view. So in the Rumble match here, we have one half of the Nasty Boys, Jerry Sags. He comes out very early in the Royal Rumble match, but there's no Brian Knobs. And Brian Knobs, of all people, was actually one of the final, I think, three if I'm remembering correctly, I think he was in the final three of the 91 Rumble the year before this. It was him, Earthquake, and Hulk Hogan, of course, right? Knobs is in there with his buddy Hulk Hogan. 
Nobbs is not in this match at all. He was taken out by what we were told uh, on TV was a separated shoulder. He, he was out injured. In reality, Brian Nobbs was stabbed two weeks before this by some punk kid after a house show. There's a newspaper clipping online that you can find that talks about the incident. The, the, the nasty boys that were in their car. Uh, IRS may or may not have been in the car with them. I've heard conflicting stories about whether or not he was in the car with them. But they were in their car on their way to the hotel after a show. Three teenagers swerved across five lanes of traffic to cut them off. Nobbs gets out of his car to check to see if there's any damage. Or so he told police anyway. This is uh, his version of events. And one of the teens stabs him. These are the same nasty boys, by the way, who nearly murdered Ken Shamrock two years before this. Uh, So I would love to know if there is some other legitimate story behind why this happened, or if they were just victims of uh, horrible crime here. Uh, Anyway, Haku took Nobbs' place in the Rumble, because he was originally advertised, and then they took him out. Marty Jannetty is another one. He was originally scheduled to be part of the Royal Rumble match, and then he was replaced by Nikolai Volkov. This, after Jannetty dove through the window of the barbershop to escape from Shawn Michaels. Serves him right. Uh, This was Shawn's first appearance as a singles heel here in this match. So it's fun to go back and watch a young Shawn Michaels in there with Ric Flair and Kerry Von Erich and the Bulldog, people he would go on to feud with. I don't remember, actually, if he did any spots with The Undertaker, if he was even still in there by the time Undertaker came out. But again, it's fun to go back and see, you know, a young HBK uh, flying around the ring. and, And obviously he would go on to win a bunch of Rumbles himself. Then we have Randy Savage and Jake the Snake Roberts. You all know how fond I am of their feud, brief as it was, in the fall of 91. It bled into the winter, early part of 92. But it never really got a proper blow-off. I still, to this day, look, Flair and Savage at WrestleMania, great match. I'm glad it happened. But that Ric Flair, or uh, Randy Savage, rather, feud with Jake Roberts deserved a proper blow-off match. Saturday night's main event was not it. It should have happened at WrestleMania. And if they knew that Jake was leaving the company far enough in advance. They should have promoted it as a loser leaves town match. I think that would have been the perfect way to promote and and to end that feud between the two of them. But I, I was a big fan of the, of the feud and they were both in this Royal Rumble match. The snake bite incident took place. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that ha- happened between these two. We get to the Rumble and Jake is in the Rumble, but he's looking over his shoulder. Every time there's a countdown, every time the buzzer goes off, He looks around to make sure, because he knows that the Macho Man is coming, but he doesn't know when. And this is a a lingering story that goes on throughout the Rumble match after Jake comes out. Finally, when Savage does come out, you can see on the screen, Jake slips out of the ring under the bottom rope. He immediately hightails it out of the ring. Savage slides into the ring like a madman. He's looking around. Where is he? Where is he? Undertaker hits him from behind because Undertaker had an alliance at that time with Jake. So he strikes, you know, Savage from behind. Eventually, Savage is able to eliminate Jake. But after he dumps him, he dives out over the top rope and attacks him. Now, what's funny about this is that if you go back, when he does this, they're talking, the announcers are, about how dumb, oh, Savage just eliminated himself from the Royal Rumble match. Then there's sort of a pause. Almost like somebody is telling them something in their ear. And all of a sudden now, Bobby Heenan is like, well, wait a minute. I don't think Savage is eliminated because 
Nobody threw him out. You, he wasn't propelled by somebody else out of the ring, and so therefore it doesn't count. He's still in the match. Undertaker gets out of the ring. He tries to throw Savage back in. Savage goes right back out after Jake. Undertaker grabs him, throws him back in. Clearly they called an audible here. Clearly Savage was not supposed to go out over the top rope. He was probably just a, a freaking ball of energy and didn't realize what he had done. Even Monsoon on commentary is like, all right, well, I'll take your word for it, but I don't know about that. Uh, that was clearly an audible that they had to call to try to cover for him because he just eliminated himself and he wasn't supposed to go out that early. Uh, so that that's one of those little funny uh, sort of Easter eggs when you go back and, and watch the match. And what's even funnier about that and what's even more ridiculous about it is that consider the fact that earlier in that very same match, the big boss man effectively eliminated himself. He launched himself at Ric Flair. Flair ducked. And the boss man went out over the top rope, nearly decapitated himself, by the way, coming down under under the bottom rope. <laughs> Go back and take a look at that whiplash. But he basically eliminated himself. And that was okay. The boss man wasn't allowed to come back in. He never touched Flair on his way out of the ring. He threw himself out of the ring. But he didn't, he didn't get to come back in. Savage, though, he got to come back in. Uh, Hulk Hogan is another story from this Royal Rumble match. What a what a sore loser this guy is. What a sour sport, right? So he's in there. What a final four in this Rumble match. Sid, Savage, Flair, and Hogan. Savage gets dumped. Flair is, is getting his ass kicked by Hogan. And Sid is just sort of standing back watching all this. He's taking it all in. And Hogan knocks Ric Flair with a punch out over the top. Flair lands on the apron. Hogan's trying to kick him off. He's trying to kick him off the apron. Sid goes, fuck this. He comes up from behind Hogan, and he dumps him out of the ring. And the people go crazy. Hogan is cheered. His elimination is cheered by a good portion of the crowd here in Albany. And they did quite the editing job on this finish. They did quite the editing job on this reaction to Hogan being eliminated, which thankfully is not on the network version. So... You can watch the Royal Rumble match from 92 on the WWE Network in all of its original glory. It is not, you know, the the, the crowd is not edited at the finish. Um, if you want to see, though, this awful editing job that they did, search for the February 8th, 1992 episode of Saturday Night's Main Event. They show it on that episode, and you'll see they changed the commentary. They actually had Monsoon and Heenan record new commentary because they weren't harsh enough on Sid for what he had done. And why were they not harsh enough on Sid? Because Sid did nothing wrong, of course. But they made sure on the second go-around that they talked about, uh, you know, oh, what a what a terrible person Sid was, basically. What a coward for, you know, doing what he did. If you want to see it, that's where you can find the uh, edited version. But Hogan was beside himself. He couldn't believe what Sid had done. Sid did nothing wrong. It's every man for himself. Sid went to go turn his attention to Flair. What does Hogan do? He reaches up. He grabs Sid's arm. He's going to pull Sid out of the ring. Flair sees this. He comes up from behind. And with Hogan's help, he dumps Sid out to the floor. Because Hulk Hogan, I've said this before, was never really a babyface. Hulk Hogan was always a heel. Masquerading as a babyface. Now, I was too naive to know this as a kid. But you can watch it in his matches. The moves he used. Back rakes and eye gouges. And he never, he would never hesitate to cheat if he could win. The people cheered him for it. This guy was basically a heel all along. 
And uh, people just never realized. And he showed his true colors here. He screwed Sid out of a Royal Rumble win. This turned out to be the final Royal Rumble match Hogan was ever in. Now, Flair claims that uh, he had no idea that he was winning this match until the day of the event. It was actually Jake Roberts. It was Jake the Snake who told him they were at the gym that morning. And Jake said to him, hey, uh, here you're going to win the Royal Rumble. Flair didn't believe him. He's like, (laughs) I mean, all due respect, Jake, why would you know? I don't even know. When he got to the building, Vince and uh, Pat Patterson pulled him aside and told him that, in fact, he was winning the Royal Rumble. Uh, Now, of course, the post-match promo, they're all in the back. Mean Gene is there interviewing Ric Flair. Mr. Perfect is there. Bobby Heenan is there. Jack Tunney is there with the championship. And Flair cuts one of his best promos. He says, with a tear in my eye, this is the greatest moment of my life. Poor Charlotte. (laughs) Uh, The put that cigarette out moment. We've talked about this recently because Mean Gene just passed away, but... You know, put that cigarette out and Bobby Heenan and Mr. Perfect saying, we're not the kind of guys to say we told you so, but we told you so. Which, by the way, they did the exact same thing later in the year when Flair won the championship back. Uh, They were backstage and they did the exact same thing. We're not the kind of guys to say we told you so, but we told you so. I actually, believe it or not, for all the times I've watched this match, uh, the end of this pay-per-view, and for all the things I know about it, you always learn something new. For years, for years, I was dying to know what that closing music was that they used for that montage at the end of the pay-per-view. And I remember recording it on a VHS, not a VHS, on a uh, uh, audio cassette. And I would play it back. It was, it was an instrumental theme that I just assumed was production music. It was stock music. Uh, I just... Can never find it. I didn't have a name for it. I didn't know how to identify it. I didn't know what to search for. And this bothered me for years. For years. All these years. I had no idea. 25 years, right? We're talking about here. Three weeks ago, Mean Gene Okerlund passes away. And I find myself watching a live stream of the Royal Rumble match from 92... Of all places on Facebook, I'm watching this because there's this old school WWF Facebook fan page. And occasionally, I guess, they will stream old classic content right there on Facebook. Somebody tagged me in a Facebook post and linked me to it. I happened to be on Facebook right as the match was starting. I clicked on it. I said, hey, this is pretty cool. This looks like the original VHS version that somebody is streaming. I'll keep this on in the background while I do other things. So the 92 Rumble is playing, and I go about my business. We get to the end, and clearly this was ripped right from the original pay-per-view, because they go right into the closing montage. And they've dubbed over that music, I could have sworn anyway, that like on DVDs and such over the years, they've dubbed over that music. This was not dubbed over, this was the original version. It starts playing. I don't know what possessed me to do this. I said, you know what, let me whip out my phone here. I'm going to fire up the SoundHound app, and I'm going to push play, and let's see what happens. I take out SoundHound, I hit the button, it took not five seconds, and it comes up with the name of the song. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I, felt like, I felt like an asshole. 25 years, and I just, on, on a whim, 
I'm sitting here and I open an app on my phone and it comes back to me. And I'll tell you something else most surprising about this is that this is a real song. They have not edited this song off of the network. It is still, the original music is still on the WWE Network version. But I had no idea that this song, this instrumental, was a song by Rush called Where's My Thing? From an album they did, I think in like 1990 or something. (laughs) All these years, it's a fucking Rush song. I, I, I had no idea. I had no clue. I thought it was a production a production piece of music. Now I downloaded it in Spotify, and from time to time I listen to it. The, the full version of the song, not just some little clip from the pay-per-view. I couldn't believe it. I felt like such an idiot. So anyway, if that really interests anybody, uh, that's the name of the song. It is a real song, and you can download it and listen to it. So there you go. Uh, now, let's talk about the fallout from this, because by virtue of winning the Royal Rumble, Flair was now the WWF champion. We're heading into WrestleMania 8. The match they were promoting on television for WrestleMania for the title was Hulk Hogan against Ric Flair. They had a press conference. Hogan was chosen to be the challenger, which, you know, Sid's reaction, of course, is very memorable. He slinked down in his chair, had this angry expression on his face, cut a promo on Hogan when it was over. Uh, But that was being promoted as the match for WrestleMania. The plan all along was to do a double main event with Hogan against Sid and Flair against Savage for the championship. Which turned out to be a great little feud. The whole Elizabeth, you know, she was mine before she was yours thing. Uh, I still remember buying the WWF magazine at that time to see the whole photo spread where they had photos of Flair and Elizabeth together at home. And later on they showed that they were fakes. The match they had at WrestleMania was great. Uh, the post-match with Flair kissing Liz and Savage just wigging out. That was great. At SummerSlam, Flair didn't even have a match. Uh, yet, he won the championship back from Savage at a TV taping uh, the month after SummerSlam. They had a match that was so bad the first time, Vince McMahon ordered them to go back out in front of the crowd and do it all over again. And Flair regained the championship. He dropped it a month later again at a TV taping to Bret Hart. A few months later, Flair realized that he was basically being demoted. He was no longer going to be in a feature headline role in the company. And he was working on a handshake agreement with Vince McMahon. He had a written contract, I'm sure, but he had a handshake agreement with Vince that if he ever fell down the card, if he was ever knocked down the card, he would let Flair go back to WCW. And Vince was true to his word. So this match in 1992 really was the high point. Of Ric Flair's run in the WWF. Great as that match was at WrestleMania with him and Savage. Uh, there was really never anything else that he did. In the remainder of that first run. That ever matched his performance. Uh, or, or anything on the level of what he did here at the Rumble. This really was in a lot of ways his peak. During his first WWF run. And it is one of the greatest matches in the history of the company. Uh, Pat Patterson is is notorious for booking a lot of these Rumble matches, at least back then. I, I'm, I'm sure he had a big hand in this one as well. Whoever had a hand in putting this together and just the story of Flair coming in and going from three all the way to the end, pissing everybody off, you know, when he came into the company, being the outsider, being brought in, and, and really showing his worth and showing that, hey, this guy's the real deal here. He survived all the way to the end and he outlasted all these other guys and now... He truly is the real world champion. I can't think of very many other guys, big names, 
that they have brought in, especially back during around that time when Dusty came in, he came in wearing polka dots. You know what I mean? Like, they just didn't do this with other guys where they would bring them in and basically acknowledge that, yeah, this guy is one of the best in the world. He is on the level of our own guys. They didn't go out of their way to bury him. Uh, You know, he, to an extent, did play up the whole chicken shit heel thing that WWF liked to do back then. Um, But, you know... Flair is just this weird case where they brought him in and Vince respected him enough uh, that he treated him like you would hope somebody like Ric Flair would be treated. And, uh, you know, Vince <laughs> didn't do what Jim Hurt was going to do and put an earring in his ear and call him Spartacus, which he could have easily have done. That That's the sort of thing I would have expected Vince McMahon to do. Uh, when Ricky Steamboat, after the feud he had in the NWA with Flair, came back to WWF, they wouldn't even call him Steamboat. They called him the Dragon, and they had him do the the, the fire thing. You know, they turned him into a, a gimmick. They never did that with Ric Flair. But this is the greatest Royal Rumble match of all time, and it is the greatest championship match in the history of the Royal Rumble event. And so that is our countdown. I hope you have enjoyed it. You may disagree with the positioning of certain things, but uh, every single match I included in that countdown is worth going out of your way to see at least once. And there's a lot of variety here. So the Rumble match is not about work rate so much. It's about storytelling, the story they told with Flair, some of the other stories that were being told at the same time concurrently as the match was going on with Savage and Jake and, and and even at the end there with Hogan and Sid. Uh, that is what made that match so great. The presentation, the commentary, all that put together. But there are other matches in this countdown that are very different. Hardcore, right? Like Triple H and Cactus Jack, Cena and Umaga. Those were, those were brutal matches in their own way. There's some great wrestling matches on this show. Cena and AJ Styles, uh, Jericho and Benoit and that ladder match, which was also a pretty, pretty brutal match, actually. Uh, there's a lot of variety in this countdown, a lot of variety with these championship matches, Uh, So I think uh, all of these things are well worth going out of your way to see. This segment is going to be posted, if you're not already uh, listening to it, on YouTube. This is going to end up on YouTube uh, on Wednesday. When it is, you'll be able to access all 10 segments anywhere, anytime, in one simple playlist. Next week, I am beginning a brand new WrestleMania-themed countdown that will take us 10 weeks straight through to WrestleMania Sunday this April. You'll just have to wait until next week to find out what that is. Follow me on Twitter tonight for the Royal Rumble, at Solomonster. I'll be live tweeting during the show. As I said earlier, I will record a review when the show is over. It will go up uh, very late tonight, very early tomorrow morning. Uh, But you will be able to find the review there. And as always, in the video description, uh, go in there. You can download the MP3 if you want to download it and stream it. Uh, Click in the description of the video and you can get the link from there. I'm done. Uh, I got to go do other things here before this pay-per-view, this kickoff show now. As I am wrapping up here, the kickoff show for the Royal Rumble is starting in less than five hours. So that leaves me virtually no time to do really much of anything else today. So I'm going to go take care of a few things, get ready for the show tonight. If you are watching it, uh, please enjoy. I Look, I got my fingers crossed here. It's, it's hard to fuck up the Royal Rumble. I know they've done it before, uh, but on paper, this looks like a pretty good show. So I hope they deliver tonight. I will see you back here for episode 584 and a brand new countdown next week. That's Super Bowl Sunday, and I'll have a prediction for the big game then, too. Until then, take care, guys. The good, the bad, and the ugly. The Solomonster sounds off. I'm just saying, I don't know, with New Day, you got three black guys out there. Why, why Francesca?
Do you want to call it Tyrone the trombone? Okay, that's racist. <laughs> uh, well, no, it's not. That, just, racist, no. I'm not racist. <laughs> Don't go to Hulk Hogan for that. That's not me. You know, usually people that go, I'm not racist. Yeah, Those are the racists. <laughs> Some monster sounds off. Since 2007, the Salamonster sounds off. Available at thesalamonster.com, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, iTunes, and more. Solo Monsters sound off.